Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the About Tribute podcast. We are recording live here at Geek Girl Con at the Washington State Conference Center here in Seattle, Washington. This is the seventh year of Geek Girl Con. Real quick about the podcast, you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at about to review Find all the show notes at abouttreeview.com. There's a support tab up at the top, and if you want to click that, support the show, that would be fantastic. You can also email into the show, abouttreeview at gmail.com. As I said, we are recording live because with me, joining the show again, is Aaron Hundley of Flourish and Inkblots and AaronHundley.com. Welcome, Aaron. Thanks. I'm here at Geek Girl Con because I am a geek girl. Imagine that. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, Tim, the People's Critic, was supposed to be on this episode, but he, he got sick. <laughs> he abandoned so, us. Well, He's a traitor. It. That also. <laughs> uh, so Aaron is going to be uh, joining me on this episode. Going to go check out some artists. We have already seen some great cosplay. Amazing talent here. Yeah. Check out some panels. Uh, and of course, I'm going to wrangle up a bunch of people to interview literally like about. he lassoed them into interviews it was part of my cosplay <laughs> um i got it from kingsman 2 Ooh. golden circle <laughs> it did not stop people in half no well there was an accident <laughs> i don't want to talk about it anyway so look forward to that on this episode of about to review we're going to cut right now to all of the interviews after that aaron and i will be back to talk about our experiences whoop, whoop. here we go Welcoming to the show now is Erica Luttrell. Yes, nailed it. Second time. Uh, so, I was going to say we just talked about it, but we did in real life. Not on here because I made a mistake and did not turn my microphone on. Ah, uh, yes. So, I got her name right. That is the important thing. It's one of. One of the important things. So, as we were talking about, you have been involved in so many realms of geekdom. Whether it is voiceover, live action stuff, shows like Lost Girl, Steven Universe. True story. True. I would hope so. Yeah. I was like, because you have pictures of yeah, both I of do. those I things have at those. the booth. I know. It would be weird if it was like, oh, those. No, no it's not, not me. me. It's not me. No. No. What is a realm of geekdom that you have not gone into yet? I mean, I guess I could say I've been talking about Star Trek a lot this weekend, so I suppose I might say that. That would be a okay. realm. It's a very specific realm, obviously. You might it say is. sci-fi more specifically, but I guess I might not. Have I been in sci-fi? Not really. Lost Girl, Lost I would Girl's say, was supernatural. Yeah, like supernatural fantasy, fantasy, not sci-fi. Different, yeah. So I haven't really done sci-fi. I've done games, but none of the games were really sci-fi either. They were more sort of fantastical yeah. universes. You know, Dishonored's a little more steampunkish and what have you. And Definitely. Yeah. So no, so I haven't done the, the whole sci-fi thing yet. So I've done more fantasy than that. So, okay. Yeah. And you have been an actress for. I mean, this sounds cliche, but probably longer than you can remember because it was like two years old. Yeah, pretty much. I did, you know, I was in a Pampers commercial when I was two. It's my first leading role as an actor. Oh, wow. I was in a Pampers commercial. Yeah. I, uh, the, the prestigious role of very child in diaper. Child in diaper. One. I know. Topless. It was a whole thing. It's very wow. scandalous. You wow. know, uh, for so the its true day. Hollywood story that exactly. is going to come out in a couple years. Exactly, posing topless at the age of two. Um, okay. <laughs> what was the first thing that you actually 
remember doing that you have like a strong memory of when it comes to this field? I mean, Shining Time Station, probably. That was, you know, the Thomas the Tank Engine thing that was right? on PBS ages ago. George Carlin was on it during my era, which was a really funny choice. I thought once I got to be an adult for a kid's show to be cast, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's odd. Okay. Hmm. I've seen his stand-up now. I mean, I was nine at the time, so I didn't know. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. This makes sense. Um, but that was my early, that was my first kind of series, I guess, that I did. You know, and I did things like Goosebumps during that time, too. And Loved Goosebumps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and obviously the Magic School Bus and so on followed. And uh, not Ghost Rider, but the new Ghost Rider Mysteries. I know people right. have mixed feelings about that. But, you know, I was in the new one. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Or not. I'm not Ghost sure. Depending Rider. on how you feel about it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, speaking on Magic School Bus. Yeah. So you played Keisha Franklin. Yes. Uh, for, I think, all 52 episodes. Like, yeah. You were in a bunch. I was. So I have to ask the question, and you probably, maybe you have answered this before, but if you were the driver of a Magical School Bus, Ooh. what fantastical place would you go and why? Oh, no, I have not been asked this question. Look at the, I, I made an exclamation, but nobody can see this except for Erica. This is good. But. Okay. Um, what fantastical place mm-hmm. would I go? Because, I mean, on the show, you guys went we've in the human under body. The sea. We've been under the sea. Yeah, there's a lot of things yeah. we've done. And I love the ocean. This is interesting. I guess I would travel to perhaps where we have been, which perhaps is where we are going. But I would tr- attempt to go, <laughs> <laughs> depending on what you th- how you think about these things. Yeah, yeah. I would Read ad- nothing into that. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. No subtext whatsoever. I would go to Imbuiru Ikura, as uh, the witch doctor would say, and see kind of what what that was about, if that was a place I could in fact visit, if it was in fact a place, and if it in fact exists. Hmm. That is, you know, whatever is other than this, I would be curious to at least get a... I don't know that I'd even be able to understand it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that I, at least that's how I think of it, Uh, but I'd be curious to see whatever it is I couldn't understand, even just to get the rush of what that might feel like. I like it. I like it. (laughs) Now, starting off, I mean, because you did voice work over early. Yeah. You know, and you still continue to do that. Yeah. How how does your approach change from doing something kind of passive, you know, Mm. like a cartoon, versus something active like a video game where someone is playing you? Right. That is who they are doing. So how does that approach change? Um, I would say doing sort of more active stuff, um, I mean, it's more aggressive, obviously. I'm fighting in a lot of instances. I'm running. I'm dying. I'm trying to... There's more survival involved in most (laughs) cases in those sorts of situations. So I guess it just... It activates me more. It gives me, uh, I guess, sort of my motivation not to be too actory about it. Ends up being, no, that, yeah. ends up being a little bit more intense, I suppose, in situations like that because okay. it's like it's life or death. So it's kind of like, why am I doing this? And in order to drive the story forward and make it real for whoever's playing you, it can't just be about nothing. It has to be about something that's important to you, so that it comes across in your character. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that to be emotionally kind of? draining because you were in a it studio <laughs> doing you know voiceover for a show yeah versus yeah when you were doing something like dishonored yeah. you know or injustice yeah. and you were getting beat up oh yeah well injustice is funny because it's so high energy the whole time because mm-hmm. it's always just like going in like just bring it on lines like every one of right. them was just like or you're fighting and you're being hit so mm-hmm. that was it and it was so that was a lot of high energy stuff so that really 
uh, could be taxing. But I would say, like, you can, I mean, there's a lot of emotional stuff I've had to do for Steven Universe, and so... Mm -hmm. That can be emotionally draining because it's all—it's a love story. It's yeah. you know, this really beautiful thing between these two characters, and so you know m maybe there's an instance where you might lose this person. Maybe there's an instance where you're—you know—and that—that can be. I mean, that's just a real human thing that people deal with, and right. so for that to be real, again, you have to go there for yourself. And Excellent. like, what if what? Oh no! Like, if this was a situation I was facing. Mm -hmm. You know, how would I feel? And, you know, it's pretty easy to lose it in that case. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. How do you find your voice? So when you get a new character, yeah. is it script notes? Is it diving into maybe that character's backstory? If it is a character that already yeah. existed. Sure, yeah, a little of both, certainly. Like in the case of Cheetah, I mean, I've voiced Cheetah three times now. Three times. There was Injustice yeah. 2. There was the movie, the Justice League movie. The Justice League movie. And then there was uh, Lego Batman 3. Oh, yeah. nice. And so each one of them, she was different. And in, yeah. in the Justice League film, she was uh, she had like an African accent and actually looked like a cheetah. Mm -hmm. uh, in Lego Batman, she was just like standard American. And then she was a Lego. Know, yeah, so. she was a Lego. She was doing the Lego thing. And then in Injustice 2, she was the like sort of classic British mm -hmm. Barbara Minerva kind of situation. And so I really in particular enjoyed doing that because I've always wanted to do British. Um, <laughs> love it so much. Uh -huh. uh, so that was in particular a blast. Awesome. And with a character that was so dark and had so many <laughs> conflicts, it was... It, uh, so fine. I mean, they'll give you an accent, obviously, if they want mm -hmm. you to do an accent. They'll give you... I mean, with the witch doctor, in the case of that, it was like she's sort of like the... Um, uh, goodness, the the character in the breakdown. It actually said she's sort of like that male, the the Nigerian priest character in Lost, the series. I tried to ignore a lot of Lost because I watched the whole thing and I was so upset with the finale. Like a lot of people, I just tried to block the rest of the show from my memory. Oh, okay, what <laughs> him? That's so. I was like, I get that. I understood right. what that character kind of was, what the vibe of that character was, and then with whatever backstory they provided me with for her. So then I was like, okay, so I know what this voice is, and it was pretty organic for me to 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 you know come up with that to get into that yeah. moment so it depends sometimes they just want you to sound like you but with whatever the scenario you know is so this offered. is you but you're getting stabbed at the rapier yep yep exactly and i kid played like a, a gosh kid dr fate recently awesome so you know and then i was just like you know little boy voice so you just know what that is just by virtue of the fact that you're playing a kid version of a man right yeah <laughs> it's like cool different so then you you know you go with, like, your little, like, raspy, like, little whatever that is kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah. So when it comes to cosplay, yeah, speak on your experience of how, seeing yourself or a character you have played that first time they come up to you and be like, and they're just gushing. Speak on that. I love it. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. I mean, just that people are that affected by something that you did is mm -hmm. always wonderful. I mean, for me, I, I just would love to make some form of impact with whatever it is I'm doing in my life. You know, it's good if you can somehow connect with people because I feel like the connection that we have with each other is ultimately what makes everything worth it. And, what yeah. you know, I mean, it's not just about the getting of the things and the doing of the stuff and the getting right. to a place. It's never about that. It's always about those lovely moments. And so for me, when someone comes up to me and they've been that impacted by something I've done, I'm always very moved by it and always like a little surprised too because mm -hmm. it's like oh my gosh really you know like 
this has become something uh, different to you, obviously, than it was to me in the booth. It's become very personalized. It's part of your world now. I yeah. had someone stand, at, uh, stand up at a panel yesterday uh, with me and, and, you know, thanked me because someone had come up. She, you know, cosplays, I guess, as, as Ruby and Sapphire. And, but somebody, I, and, and I think she said her nickname for herself and her girlfriend um, were, were that was that Ruby and Sapphire and awesome. she, uh, her her girlfriend had had some uh, found a Sapphire on the floor and had her come up to her and say that I have a prediction that you're going to be you know engaged or something and then awesome. her girlfriend proposed to her and so now she's engaged and she wanted to thank me for that Aww. moment and I'm like I didn't have anything to do with it but it's so lovely I mean uh -huh. it's really you know lovely to hear those things okay speaking of Steven Universe and yeah. Sapphire yeah. the character that you played uh so the crystal gems, yes. they draw their power mainly from the gem, but also truly from love. Right. Where does Erica draw her power from? Mm, okay. Deep, deep questions over here. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Where do I draw my power from? Mm -hmm. um, I suppose the same place. I mean, if I really think about it, that's probably the most important thing in this life. When I talk about human connection and so on, I feel like those little moments of actual connection you have with, with somebody is are is love i mean people won't say that because that you know it has so many it's so loaded it has so right. much meaning and so much weight but it's like when you are actually connecting with somebody and it and it is true it's honest you know and you care and they care and the moment you know then it is love that is what love is really i mean even the people that we we sort of attest to love love like i love love right. you i like like you those people I like, like you <laughs> you know you have moments where you don't you know, it's really in the moment. It's mm -hmm. the moment of connection that that's... So for me, I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm driven by those moments. You know, I'm driven by people's dreams coming true. I'm always very mm. happy when I see that. I mean, I you know, if I watch sports or if I watch, you know, entertainment of any kind, like what I'm most moved by is when the, the, the absolute relief of somebody coming face to face with that thing that they've always thought that they, it's just, you know, I mean, like I'm tearing up now thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I love that, you know, yeah. and so when people find that in another person or find that in an experience, you know, that's to me what love is. And, and I'm very driven by that. Excellent. Speaking a lot on dreams. Yeah. So I'm a big believer in putting things out there in the universe. Yeah, me too. What is your dream project? Ooh, goodness. I mean, I've been saying storm a lot this convention, Ooh. but I have no idea. Like, I mean, they rebooted so much, but at this point, I'm not sure that. Yeah, I mean, they've gone way young now. I don't know if they're going to come back to the. Uh, who knows? The, the X Men films are a mess. I, oh, you don't want to. You're like you don't want to do that. I mean, no, I no. I'm saying like who knows? You could who easily knows? like Alexander Ship, who right. was in this last one. I think she's going to be in the Phoenix one. Who right. knows? Right. But with yeah. how many times they have rebooted they do. it, I so. know. I mean, so I love that. I love that she controls the weather. I love that sort of thing. I, but I mean, ultimately, I just want to be playing. The, I, I love those kinds of characters, like the conflicted hero, like the mm -hmm. sort of characters that I play in video games. I would love to play more of. You know, my it's funny. I just recently was in a show that just Salvation on CBS. Okay. Uh, Asteroid coming to hit the planet. I was playing the senior advisor to the president, and I ended up being pretty darn sinister, interestingly mm -hmm. enough, in the show, which was cool to play. And I, so you know, I have it in my have it kind of stuck in my craw that next time I'd like to play someone who's you know ultimately heroic but flawed. You okay. know, not necessarily. As all good heroes are. Exactly. Because to me, it's like when you're playing a villain, which I love. I love the great villains. Really? Absolutely. I love all, like, the wicked. So I was happy to play this character. I was like, oh, wow, I get to finally, you know, play this kind of thing. But it's interesting because it, in many ways it's more challenging 
um, and I love challenge, but challenging in the way that it can be very emotionally draining. Because if you want to play a villainous character really true, mm -hmm. you kind of have to go to super dark you places. Tap because into it's like, well, why would I want to murder this person? You know, and <laughs> right. you have to make it personal for you. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it can't just be like I'm judging my character because yeah. then it comes off weird. You have to be that character. So in in the world of my life, what would have had to have happened to me? to drive me to this and then you have mm. to live in that kind of thing and that's a pretty tortured place to live I mean you think yeah. about the, the, what drives you to you know shout at a person or, mm -hmm. or say I hate you to somebody that you love or to whatever what, whatever that is and ultimately that's a lot of pain and so the, the villains are in a lot of struggle so to me like a conflicted hero at least will have a few moments of levity where they're they're moving towards something that they believe in as much as they've struggled in the past and as much as they may struggle now I have a friend who wrote uh, a character kind of like Storm for me into a comic book series called Monomyth, and I love okay. the character, so it would be cool if they brought that to, but just something, those kinds of things. Okay. I like. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> With self care, what is the thing you do once you play that evil type person? Oh, boy. Maybe not directly evil, but when you get home, whatever it is you do, what is your decompression method? Pasta and stand up comedy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah. Classic stand-up, like Carlin stuff or newer stuff? It could be, but newer stuff just because I've watched a lot of the older stuff. Right. Like, you know, I'm on my, my streaming services and what mm -hmm. have you, and inevitably there's so many stand-ups now that are doing one-hour specials, and so you'll be done with one, and they'll pop up another incredibly brilliant, you know, uh, speaking to sort of interesting life issues in a way that you've never thought of. So, I mean, I like when they... Comedians that are sort of more like that. Okay. That, that kind of get to the heart of something, but in a comedic sort of a, a way. But that, and then whatever. I happen to be watching at the time, so I'm currently <laughs> watching This Is Us. I was watching In oh. Treatment. Wait, I'm whoa. This Is Us is your decompression? I One mean, of the most emotional shows so on TV. emotional, but, I, you know, it's human connection. And it's okay, a bunch yeah, of people true. that others might think are different that aren't very different, that are loving one another, that, it, you know, it's, gotcha. a, it's a really, you know, it's a beautifully done project but you know before that I was in treatment before that it was next gen because I hadn't seen everything I'd watched it as, with my dad when I was a kid mm -hmm. so I burned through all what was it like 200 episodes how many uh, I think it is close to three I is mean, it yeah, three it is something crazy because it's seven crazy. seasons right and then I of think next it's gen. 20 some odd I don't know I'm not a math yeah. And so don't like tax me with like I nope, sign yeah, up no. right now. <laughs> All I know <laughs> is that I have seen every episode of Next Gen multiple it. times. Oh, I love it so much. It 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 you know, chills me out a great deal because I mean mm -hmm. the connection between the cast and the characters in the show. Yeah. It's so like there's something I've said like I actually find it very cozy. <laughs> like it's you know, it's an yeah. adventure show, it's a sci-fi show, a lot happens. But um, you know, I trust them, I guess. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Like you, you, you trust them and so and you trust their choices and their decisions and so it feels like a very, you know, safe place to be. As long as you skip past the Alexander episodes with Worf, because that just Oh those were always <laughs> oh, just so terrible. It was so bad. Oh my god, you reminded <laughs> me. I actually don't I think I might have blogged them out. Exactly. Um, that's funny. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's not. Uh well, Erica, it has been an absolute pleasure. Oh, such a pleasure, John. Absolutely. Uh, where can people find you on social media? What is the best place to get the most updated information on all of your projects? Probably my Twitter or my Instagram, depending. But it's both. It's the same handle in both places, and it's my middle name, which mm -hmm. is at Shukrani. Which, which is that was one, yes. dear listeners. Yes. I barely got her name right the first time. Actually, no, I did not even get it right the first time. I did it again. You did. So knowing that was your Twitter handle, I was like, nope. Not it's totally phonetic. It's just Shukrani. Shukrani. That's it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. S H U K R A N I. 
Uh, and it, yeah, it's my middle name, and it means to give thanks. Mm-hmm. And my mom's Tanzanian, so we all ended up with Swahili middle names as a result. So, yeah. Excellent. So at Shakrani, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter. yeah, uh, website, website, EricaLuttrell.com. Perfect. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you again, Erica. <laughs> it was a pleasure. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. Finally, after a year, a year, I am welcoming to the show. Carrie McLean from Black Nerd Problems, writer and editor at large for them. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Don. Woo woo. Yeah. So we have been trying to get this done since last year when we last year. ran into each other in the press room, which we no longer have. We no longer have. Uh, but I was like, hey, it would be great to have you on the show. And it was like, all right, I am leaving. I'm uh, really about to catch a plane right now. Yeah. Back to California. Awesome. So while I have you nailed down for the first time, a couple questions for you. Yes. Uh, because you're a writer and editor for Black Nerd Problems, mm-hmm. and you are yourself a black nerd, imagine that. Imagine that. What does this con, in particular, Geek Girl mm-hmm. Con 2017, what does this con make you feel as a black nerd? So first and foremost, I feel welcomed. Mm-hmm. I know that there was some controversy earlier this year before the con came mm-hmm. to be and it got squashed and we came out stronger and better than ever. So I feel welcomed. I feel just really like loved. Mm-hmm. This is a really good atmosphere. And last year was my first year at the con. So that was my, my baby con, mm-hmm. my first cosplay as a con, uh, as an adult and just good, good vibes. And I really feel like they took the consideration of black people, people of color, marginalized communities into respect with the paneling and mm-hmm. who we see in the vendors. I, I feel like they did their work. So the to the folks who are in the planning management and you did the work. Excellent. Keep doing so the work. That sense of feeling welcome. Yes. Excellent. Now when you you just mentioned, you know, it was your first cosplay as an adult. Yes. So outside of Halloween costumes as a kid, was there any other time where you got to kind of flex those cosplay muscles maybe at school i was in okay. like in high school back in <laughs> as a young adult Just high school a couple years film. ago couple years <laughs> you know it <laughs> right. you're good uh, you, you know I, do to, what I, can. I, I need to bring you around right um so yeah like in high school i was in film club media studies media yeah all that but like as okay. an adult last year was like the first time so i bust out the yura cosplay and i was here and People are like, yo, set phasers are stunning. And I'm like, what's up? Yeah. So, yeah. It was, How many it was, times did, uh, did that get said to you that day? Like twice. I was good. And then I had um, Next Generation Star Trek cosplay. Like, hey, did I see you guys at the party? And I'm like, <laughs> when people see you in and out of, out of cosplay, yeah. so I was like, I'm not that girl. <laughs> but, you know, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It can get interesting. Uh, totally. You know. Uh, speaking of cosplay, so of course, right now you're dressed as the one and only Finn. Finn, fantastic Miss jacket, fantastic Mr. costume. Big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, not that long now. Not until that long. we get to see more Star Wars, and it just it is going to keep coming. They're going to have these forever. Forever. It forever, is just kind of crazy, like uh, being our age. There was that time after. Episode six. Six. Before Phantom Menace, <laughs> there was not much. And mm-hmm. so to now think of how spoiled we are to have Star Wars and everywhere. And we still need more. There's always room for more. 
Always room for more. Mm-hmm. Now, are you caught up on some of the animated projects? Because I am woefully behind. It's like with Disney, there's always some type of animated project. Plus mm-hmm. now, since they own Star Wars and Marvel. So <laughs> there's just like a boatload of stuff I'm not on top of. But I know mm-hmm. the Star Wars... Some people say Star Wars is a bit more accessible for the younger crowd, the kids, because right. they have the animated programs and they have, you know, those things. So um, they're doing a good job and they have a lot of good voice actors and actresses attached to those programs. Mm-hmm. So along with the movies, there's like the stuff that the filler stuff. I shouldn't say filler stuff. The filler, uh, filler additional. Kind of additional. No. Yeah. So I'm I'm on board, just have not found the time to watch any of it. And then, of course, there's the comics and who can. Yeah. Marvel got the comics back. So that's so I much. started. I started. I'm like, I have bills to pay. Right. <laughs> Darth Vader number 14. I cannot buy this. <laughs> yeah. Because so you are based in the Bay Area. Uh, Los Angeles area. Or Los Angeles area. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a Northwest kid. I know. Geo- I know. Not, like, geology. Ca- California. Well, in general, I'm like, uh, yeah, I went to California. So they're like, where? And I was like. The Redding, and they're like that. No, no, that is almost Oregon. So, <laughs> John, but, <laughs> John, you know, come you're on. terrible at geology too. Hey, I, I, Northwest science class. Uh, so you're based in the LA area, or how do you rather make the time to get into all of your passions? So a lot of geek stuff or nerd stuff is self care. A lot of people don't look at it that way if you frame it as self-care. So if you need a few minutes to read fan fiction, if Mm. you need to come home in distress and watch, you know, John Wick or you need to watch whatever (laughs) Star Wars movie you want to look at, it's self-care. Sometimes you just need to be in the element of, I love this so much. Mm -hmm. Life is kind of crappy today, you know, and here we are. Um, So self-care, but just finding time because you need it and... I mean, it's a bore if you're just living your lives going to work Mm -hmm. nine to five or grave shift or whatever you do. Mm -hmm. You can have some time for you. So sometimes that just comes in form of self-care and it's necessity, you know. Excellent. Yeah. Tell me about your best geek experience. My best geek experience. Um, hmm. So my best geek experience, I'll start one of my earlier ones. Okay. So my name is Carrie, of course. We've said this, stated for for the record. Yes. <laughs> um, named after my grandmother, and I hated my name growing up. I always really? thought it was so old-fashioned. I was like, this is not, this is for the birds. I don't like Carrie. Right. Carrie spelled like the movie, and then that's another element of jokes that came towards middle school and high school. Right. Um, so. Because children are mean. Children are mean, <laughs> and when they watch movies that are not for children, um, that's what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Especially when prom came around. There were oh so boy. many jokes. Oh, boy. Uh, okay, so, so outside of that. Yeah. So, anyway, let's, let me bring it back full circle. Right. So, my best geek moments early on in childhood. So, I hated my name. I thought Carrie was old-fashioned. Once upon a time, we had these things called VHS tapes. Uh-huh. You may have heard of them. Yes, absolutely. I think they're cousins, the beta tapes. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. It's ancient technology now. They were kind of actually, they were more brothers. It was the Cain and Abel because oh. one of them murdered the other one. And one came out on top. Exactly. Okay. Sorry, Vacation Bible School. Dropped the ball uh, there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You get on me about geography and science. <laughs> Daughter of a preacher. Do not even... Come on now. No, I'm, I'm kidding here. Um, so, <laughs> VHS is totally in the Bible. Right. Don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, my brothers and I found this VHS tape, VHS tape, and it was actually Star Wars. And I'm okay. like, wow. Um, so, we started watching it, and the princess... 
the badass princess who mm-hmm. took a, a blaster and went to work was named Carrie in real life. And mm-hmm. I was like, so about this life. So Carrie nice. Fisher, my first uh, geek mom. People talk about, mm. um, uh, was it Keymark or Intro? Um, whatever helps bring them into okay. whatever fandom or whatever it is. She was, she was it. Awesome. And uh, miss her so much. And she... Mm-hmm led a very full life and I'm so happy to be named have the same name as someone who lived such a full life and did so much and was so unapologetic mm-hmm. in everything she did yeah. until her last days she was tweeting and I was like I want to be like this when I'm however old she is mm-hmm. and of course just on a, another layer it's so cool um, to see geek women or women who were geek heroes right. grow up yeah. you know she was General Leia and she had her gray streaks and she was older and I'm like I like to see our, our heroes get older and mm-hmm. be mothers or be generals or whatnot. And this was actually another sentiment people had with Wonder Woman. Um, the lady who, actress who was in Princess Bride was... Robin Wright. Yeah. So yeah. they're like, yo, you can be older and still be a badass and be yeah, a mom absolutely. or what have you. So best geek moment, finding out Carrie Fisher, who she was, and like just running with that. So in the realm of magical girl anime, yes. which has been going on for... 40 years, you know, so many different iterations. Yes. A character like Sailor Moon, who yeah. has a brooch that then helps her transform. The other women had various things over the years. I have one. <laughs> what is the item that you would use to transform? Okay. This, this is actually a very good question, John. Thank you. I, I am a professional. You are? Uh, <laughs> yes. Did not, did not say you weren't. Did not, right. did not <laughs> believe other likewise. Right. Any other way. Um, so, oh, I had to think for a second. Mm-hmm. So my transformation item, and I love Sailor Moon. That's, that's one of the greatest, probably the most popular 20 plus years. Okay. So my transformation item would probably be a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. Awesome. <laughs> or a pair of custom made Converse shoes. Okay. Yeah. So kind of like, do you remember the MC Hammer cartoon? Oh my God! When it is shoes, that you're dating yourself. <laughs> I, I am old. Everybody knows. Everybody who listens to the podcast. I'm not knows. as old as you, John. Fair enough. But so MC Hammer. Okay. He was an artist in yeah. the 80s and 90s. What anyway, type of pants did he have? Uh, he had amazing genie pants. They were gold, lame. <gasps> Whoa. Uh, but at one point, he had two cartoons okay. on Saturday morning. But I put on these shoes, transformed. It was amazing. He was a magical boy, a black magical boy with yeah. balloon pants. Yeah. That actually is reminding me. I think I need to find that clip and put you, it on social media. You, you need it. I don't, I don't believe you. Okay. How dare you? YouTube clip or it but, didn't happen. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Uh, and then lastly, where can people follow your adventures on social media uh, <laughs> and all of your geekisms? So you can find me on Twitter as Divine Black Pearl, Mm -hmm. D-I-V-I-N-E-B-L-K-P-E-A-R-L. I I also write for Mm blacknerdproblems.com, so Black Nerd Problems. And I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, and I'm on Tumblr. So those are varying degrees of (laughs) safe and not for safe. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) And your Instagram is Care Bears on Fire. Care Bears on Fire. Which I always wanted to know, what is the story behind that? Okay, so when I first started social media, back when I was a, a baby geek in high school, mm-hmm. all my social... Back to MySpace, okay? Oh, yeah. That, that's where we're putting this. Back in MySpace, all my usernames were music-related. 
So okay. Care Bears on Fire is or was a rock band of like 13-year-old girls, and they were adorable. Amazing. I'm not sure if they're active now, but a couple years ago they were. So I was mixtape romance something Ooh. on MySpace. Okay. And my first email address on Hotmail. Mm-hmm. Hotmail. Mm-hmm. If you still know someone who's using Hotmail, they're probably your mom. <laughs> Sorry, mom. And again, um, you tried dating me, pulling out a <laughs> Hotmail email hotmail, address. I'm like, you must be like 49, right. <laughs> which is okay if that's, you know, mm-hmm. Mr. Still Your Mom or Dad. Right. Um, so, yeah, my first email address was the Real Folks Blues Girl at Hotmail.com, which is a Cowboy Bebop reference to their ending theme song. So, yeah, all, all my, most of my usernames were music related up until a point of time. So, Care Bears on Fire on Instagram. Rip open universe, actually. No, Rip more, open universe. What is happening right now? <laughs> more music. More okay. music. Um, yeah. All right. So there will be plenty of ways to get a hold of you. I will put that in the show notes below. Uh, all of your different usernames. Oh my gosh. Uh, we might find an Earthlink email address for you. Wow. That goes way back. Wow. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you, Carrie, for for making the time. I know that you have to run. It has been a pleasure. Uh, next time I am in the LA area, not the Bay Area. Not so the, nobody fights me. If you're in the me. Bay Area, I'm just I'm gonna be like, bro, you're like, <laughs> you're in a different part of California. You're yeah. across the mountains. Excellent. I'm, I'm kidding there. There's no mountains. No, not so much. Thank you again, <laughs> and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, John. Bye, y'all. For the second year in a row, I am joined again by Dr. Rachel Burks, analytical chemist. And DIY Science Zone. Can I call you Pioneer? Yes, you may. <laughs> Excellent. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How have things been over this past year and especially at this year's Geek Girl Con? It was really hopping this year. Yeah. I mean, this is our second year in our new big space. Yes. And it just seems that we had even more people and a lot more kids of all ages through mm-hmm. teens and so it was it was a busy two days that is for sure yeah mm-hmm. what would you say other than you know just the number of kids what would you say is kind of the biggest difference between last year and this year gosh i think we had a lot more um people that stayed for hours really yes and so you had uh, lots of um you know adults that were uh, that kind of chaperone through the process mm-hmm. that would say, you know, we have been here all day. And sometimes they were excited about that. And sometimes the chaperones were like, we have been here all, all day. day. And they won't leave. They just do science. <laughs> uh, <and> so, <laughs> which we're like, yeah. Right. Um, so I think that's kind of fun is that you do. They just keep doing them over and over again, um, which, you know, that's what it's here for. You're supposed to be able to have fun and do science. For sure. So this year, how many different experiments did you guys have in this huge space? So we had 15 different experiments. Wow. Is that more than last year? Uh, I think it's about the same. Okay. Yeah, we always try to have at least a dozen. Sheesh. And then we, we sometimes have a few more. And so, yeah, so we had some, some really cool ones. I, ho- I always think they're really cool. Um, but we got to do some engineering this year. Okay. So folks got to with Mordor engineering. So so folks got oh, to build yeah, yeah. The, ti- the, the Tower of Sauron. Um, and so that was really fun. And then they got to test out how good their build was. Ooh. Uh, and so just so some seismic testing by shaking the table. Seismic. They had a, the, a shaker table with different magnitudes of earthquakes. So that was a lot of fun. And they, we had a couple of edible stations this year. Really? Yeah. So we had some kind of 
you know, molecular gastronomy um, experiment, which was really fun. That was Newton's edible spheres. And then we had um, kind of making your own human plasma, but it was edible. Okay. Uh, so, you know, people could learn about the plasma's got white blood cells and red blood cells and platelets and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but they used marshmallows, red hots, red sprinkles, and corn syrup. <laughs> sounds so good to me. It was yeah, delicious. Um, and so it was a lot so of So you're fun. turning children into vampires. Yes, you heard it here. And, you know, if there's any place for it, it's Geek Girl Guy. <laughs> <laughs> Where they would be accepted. When they would be accepted. It would be a safe environment. So, yes. Awesome. Now, there was one experiment I saw this year. Were they square bubbles? They were square. So cube bubbles, right. And so they um, volunteer Mara, she had, you know, linked these straws together in a cool pattern. Mm-hmm. And so you could actually get square bubbles or cube bubbles. And then sometimes if you did it just right, mm-hmm. you could get a cube in a cube. Whoa. And then there also was triangle bubbles. Oh, I missed those ones. And then you could get triangle in a triangle. Okay. So that was really cool. Um, so, you know, so you it can sounds actually, like witchcraft. Yeah, so well, you, but better than witchcraft <laughs> because it's science. I was like, we are turning children into <laughs> vampires and <laughs> witchcraft. Well, I was like, you know, it was a good fluid dynamics and geometry, you know, but we, gotcha. we just are like square bubbles. Right. Uh, so, no, so that one was really fun. And I think that was cool. And then, of course, on Saturday, we had the bug chicks from Portland. And oh, I had, heard about them. Right, yeah, yeah. They had the tarantula, and they had um, a scorpion, which I did not know this, but scorpions are fluorescent. Yes. So if you shine them with a UV light, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's creature <laughs> from space. <gasps> um, so it was awesome. And they had some really fun spider. They had a blue spider. Okay. Blue and fuzzy. So to me, I'm like, so what you're saying, it's Cookie Monster, but a spider. <laughs> cookie spider. Cookie spider. His cousin. Yes. Right. Um, and so, no, so it was great. They had some great stuff, too. So lots of, we had even live animals. So that was a lot of fun. Very cool. One of the panels you did this year was the Science of Wonder Woman. Yes. Which I unfortunately missed because this con Ooh. is crazy. I know. <laughs> I, I'm a terrible friend in person. Um, so one of the questions that it talked about in the bio that I want to hear the answer to because I missed it. How would Wonder Woman's gauntlets actually work? So, you know, Nicole talked about this as far as, you mean the bracelets? Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, part of the problem with that is you've got a couple, you've got the materials. Okay. Right? And so then you've got the physiology. Mm-hmm. So, you know, bullets are actually small by mass. I mean, the average. So if, we're, if we go with, say, a handgun caliber, mm-hmm. um, even like 50 calibers, like a Desert Eagle. Right. The, the human mass compared to a bullet mass. But then you also have to talk about... Um, the velocity of it, which it's traveling. Okay. So because the bullet's mass is so teeny compared to human, mm-hmm. its momentum is nowhere near as massive, right? As big, I should okay. say massive, as big as humans. So humans, as we know, mm-hmm. humans can stop bullets. The problem is that that usually <laughs> requires the penetration of skin, organs, yeah. and maybe bone. Okay. So the main thing is, is can you stop it from doing that? So there has to mm-hmm. be a rapid, you know, loss of momentum. Okay. Um, and so, so, you know, Nicole talked about what are some of the options for that? So is it really, is it total loss of momentum and it's like, hits it and then it goes blink and mm-hmm. it just drops? Or is it reflecting or is it, it or deflecting right, it? Is it, you know, reflected or, or diffracted or, or it bounces off it, ricochet, mm-hmm. really. When it right. talks about a projectile, you'd be talking about some kind of a ricochet. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So, I mean, a ricochet would be dangerous because we saw that in Luke Cage, right? If it ricochets off Luke Cage, yeah. it's still going to hit someone else. Whenever you see that, like, and again, growing up reading comics, Superman, you know, in one of the classic poses, 
hands on the hips, just right. getting peppered with bullets. Pew, pew. Meanwhile, everyone in the surrounding right. hundred feet is getting, is getting murdered. shot, <laughs> yeah. right? And so we don't see that in Wonder Woman, though. So mm-hmm. what's going on there? So then, you know, someone pointed out, well, it's a rapid. That would it, it actually? You just they stop, right? And then they fall, right? So that would gotcha. mean that whatever the material is, mm-hmm. including herself has to actually cause a very almost instantaneous loss of momentum. Okay. Well, things can't lose mass. Right. Because mass is neither created or destroyed. Mm-hmm. And so we're still trying to conform, right, Wonder Woman, <laughs> to the laws of the of our world. But we're just going to go for that right now. Okay. So that would require, right, this 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 rapid just basically they have to hit something. And we've, Deceleration. we've seen that, right? Like things hit something and it's like they just, boo, right? right. They just... Okay, some things bounce a little bit, but maybe not that ricochet that we're looking at. Gotcha. Okay, so that material would have to do that. So it would have to absorb. It really doesn't absorb the energy. It's going to transfer it to something else. Okay. So the energy is never created. Another thing, never created or destroyed, but it can be transferred. So heat energy can become light energy. Kinetic energy can become light energy. There's lots of ways that things can be transferred. So then the question becomes, okay, so if that's happening, then where's the energy going? Right. And if the material, like, same problem with cap sword, right? So, or caps um, shield. shield. Mm-hmm. So we see it gets large, you know, amounts of kinetic energy coming in. Mm-hmm. But it's not as if it gets really, really hot or he'd drop it or it would mm. melt. Right. Now, it's made of some special magical element. Vibranium. Which clearly. Mixed with adamantium, depending right? on which uh, version. So clearly to me, and it, because if Thor, when Thor's hammer hits it, you see a blue light. Right? Yes. So to me, that means that this material, which is why it's called vibranium, is changing vibrational energy or kinetic energy into light energy. Now, that's not mm. actually science fiction. That, okay, so that could happen. Okay. Now, can it, can it actually do that? Well, no. Right? That's right. the sci-fi part. Okay, so no. <laughs> I was waiting. Um, I was like, wait. Uh. <laughs> but yet, no. And it's not 100% sufficient. Like, it might do that for some of the energy, but some of the energy on the spectrum, because light's a spectrum, some of it would still be a bit of heat. Okay. Right? And some of it might be a bit of light, and some of it, right? So there's kind of this this transfer that has to happen. So with Wonder Woman, then, if we're going to go, okay, maybe it's something like that. Well, no one ever, you know, in the movie, you never know what these things are made of, right? They mm-hmm. just kind of gold. Blah, blah, blah. Well, it can't be really gold because gold is a really good conductor of heat. So Yeah, bad idea. You know, yeah. burn. No. So, <laughs> so what? It's got to be like some kind of composite. But we never learn what. So, you know, even if we said what it was, you don't see the light, though. Like it isn't every time she strikes a bullet, you're not right. seeing pew, pew, light. So whatever the material is, is an issue. And then, of course... She'd still like any armor because mm-hmm. the thing, it doesn't look like it's getting hurt at all. No. Right. So that really puts it into the captain shield realm mm-hmm. because our modern day armor, mm-hmm. it can take a hit, but it can't take 10. Yeah. Right? Or when you see someone who, you know, after someone gets shot with a bulletproof vest. Yeah. Bruised. Bruised. You know, deeply. St- <laughs> and they might still be knocked backwards. Yeah. And they're still going to, you know, be in pain. They're just not been penetrated. Right. Right. And so there's a problem with the armor angle. So whatever you make it out of, and she doesn't miss a beat. So whatever's going on is the realm of not anything, you know, it's not like our armor. Mm -hmm. And even though, but the thing is people get trained. On the other hand, though, people who 
do in combat situations do have body armor and have to get used to being hit but still responding quickly and efficiently, mm -hmm. you can get trained to that. That's why people get pepper sprayed in the face. That's why people uh, okay. get shot in the chest while wearing armor. Mm -hmm. So they know what it feels like. So Conditional happens, therapy. <laughs> it's, you know, you're, it's training. Mm -hmm. Well, then it makes sense that if she's on this island where all they do all day is yeah. train, train, train to kill everything around them, then this would be part of their training. Right. So on the one hand, you're like, I'm not sure how the materials is working. She's clearly not human. Mm -hmm. So the human physiology angle, it's like, well, that's totally off yeah. the table. So sure. I mean, you would think that, it, you know, if it, if it went wrong and she has to get incredible eyesight and not only that, but the the senses for her brain, she takes in information and communicates to say, move your arm. Mm -hmm. That's having to happen faster than the velocity of a projectile. Like. The number yeah. of combinations that is having to happen is really the part where you're like, but remember, she's a god. <laughs> right. And then it's like, magic. <laughs> See, and so, that is one of the things like that I kind of liked that they did with Tony Stark. You see him in the suit yes. get bashed. Right. That helmet comes off. He is bleeding. Right. He is He's sweaty. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I think the same. And you see kind of the bit with, with um, Batman. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, it, never underestimate. Um, you know, white men with unlimited wealth. <laughs> right. uh, because that being the greatest superpower of all. all. You know? And so, you know, but still, I mean, there's, no matter what the material is and the space age stuff, mm -hmm. you're still going to have some cost. Yeah. And so, but that's the part where with Wonder Woman, it's, it's no cost to her because she literally is a mythical being. Yeah. And so at some point, it's it's more worrisome, of course, to me, being a fan, is when, like, well, there's many problems with Iron Fist, but Iron <laughs> Fist or yep. Batman, you're mm -hmm. like, you, don't need, you can't even say, well, it's alien physiology or it's mythical God being. Mm -hmm. No, because you're supposed to be a human being. Yep. Even if it is at the peak of human yes, health and endurance and strength. Yeah. You know, even that. Like, you working out in the gym and being a Navy SEAL is not going to help the fact that a 50 caliber gun is going to yeah. rip through your chest. Like, mm -hmm. that, you working out and having awesome pecs like Jason Moma, that does not help you. <laughs> right. When you get shot full in the chest with a shotgun. Like but being a half Atlantean definitely helps. That would help, right? right. So, that's, that's when you have to get to the point where... And the fun part is, okay, well, then what would that physiology be? Mm -hmm. So, for Wonder Woman... Everything about her, bone, muscle, connective tissue, the, the, the ability to respond to that kind of physical force would mm -hmm. have to fundamentally be different. And, and even lung tissue and skin, because remember later in the movie, she's exposed to the same chemical weapon as everyone else. Yeah. And she doesn't miss a beat. Mm -hmm. Steve's coughing up a lung and she's chilling going, you gosh, okay? it looks like, yeah. you know, like, so she's inhaling it. It's being exposed to her sin. She has no problems whatsoever. So that means even though we, we clearly think she has a respiratory system, it mm -hmm. must not be responding to the same stuff mm -hmm. as us. So it, everything around her is, is she's interacting it in a different way, which means, you know, and we see that with creatures all over the earth, the things that sometimes are toxic for some things aren't for others and, right. and vice versa. You know, chocolate, chocolate for dogs. No, chocolate for people. Mm -hmm. Yay. <laughs> um, and so we see that. And so that must be the case with her. And then what, what would that look like? What would the changes have to be? And that's the fun part with the science is you get scientists in a room and you're like, well, that means it 
this whole system would have to run differently. Right. And that would influence that this whole secondary system has to run differently. And then everything you start having to build, okay, well, how would we, based on our knowledge, how would we build then that being? And okay. the, the thing you run into, of course, is that we always try to make people like humans or we always try to relate it back to a system yeah. we know. And As opposed to the Doc Oct- <laughs> Doc Ock approach when he was like, let me not take the regular humanoid characteristics. Yeah. Let me manufacture something in a different way. But we as humans, even when we see something deeply alien like mm-hmm. Xenomorph in Alien, right. we still try to um, you know, make it, okay, well, what would that... We still use terms like circulatory system. Right. We still use terms like, oh, it must have some... Where's its heart? We Carbon-based life yeah, form, we which... <laughs> who that knows? Could, yeah. Like, of course, you know, and so that's the kind of thing is we're trying to understand. So sometimes when people go real radical with their design... Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know what, how do we do with this? This is like, <laughs> right. does it look like anything? And of course, then we, if, we, if it won't work for humans, then we'll go to the next nearest animal, right? And say, oh, well, this is like an octopus, mm-hmm. but with a skeletal system. So what? not an octopus. So not an octopus. <laughs> you know, but see, then we'll try to kind of do that kind of stuff, which is kind of, I mean, it's, but that's what all, all of us go, okay, I don't know what this thing is, mm-hmm. but what's the next nearest thing? Yeah. And can I hodgepodge something together? And in my in my view, at some point in that situation, you would just be like, "How about if you just run?" Yeah. <laughs> right? uh-huh. like, yeah. How about if you not running take is the always time an option to figure out what this thing is, <laughs> right. right? And then you just are like, "Well, okay, nope, don't recognize it. I'm out." Right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the kind of like for Prometheus. The funniest part yeah. for me is when but there is many wrong things. <laughs> yeah, <was> but like, <laughs> when this thing, you see something you've literally never seen before, and yet your idea is, "Let me stick my face really close to it." I hate it. Right? Like yeah. just. And so, but, you know, with Wonder Woman, she has this kind of, I'm going to go do this thing and I don't need to wait and I don't need to have any caution. Mm-hmm. Part of it is, well, of course you don't. She kind of earned like, that, right? Because you're God. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but the rest of us actually. Yeah. So I think like that part's fun, though, to kind of build those things in. Um, and then also, we you never think about just like Luke Cage. And like, and there's been some great, um, uh, Calicios wrote this book here, uh, Physics of Hu- Superheroes. It's not just what would be impossible for them, like mm-hmm. to do. Right. But some of these things that they do, they would have to have like some kind of weird density or somehow rapidly become, like, then their influence on the world would be very different. Like the amount of force yeah. required to jump over a building in a single bound mm-hmm. would mean that when you landed... You would leave crushed through crushed asphalt like, you know, in Jurassic Park with big T-Rex, right? Right. coming through. But, you know, when Luke Cage is jogging around um, Harlem, Mm -hmm. he's just chilling in his hoodie. Like, you don't see any, you know, there's no like big, you know, kind of dense. Right. And so the same thing with Wonder Woman. Some of the same things apply is like not only do we have a problem trying to in our in our limited knowledge trying to build this being Mm -hmm. but how that being would then interact with With our our world world. right and not screw it all up just fascinating so (laughs) i mean and that that all ties into kind of some of your experience your professional experience you kind of have some barry allen type stuff working in a crime (laughs) lab yeah um okay (laughs) not that cool though friend not that cool oh come on (laughs) i was trying to pump you up So all paperwork. <laughs> all right. So with that type of experience, you know, working in the crime lab and everything and seeing the real effects of these things, seeing how, like you said, how things interact, 
what is the thing in pop culture, whether it is movies or TV shows, the science trope that drives you crazy? I think, well, you know, okay, so it's hard to pick. There's two. Okay. One would be nobody ever does any gosh darn paperwork. Like the documentation (laughs) is just not there. Right. They just do things. They never you never really sometimes when it's convenient, they'll write something down. Mm -hmm. But like not all of it clearly because Mm -hmm. something goes wrong, like, you know, or something goes whatever. Um, And the other one is it's always alone for a lot of things. It's still a lone scientist, lone mad scientist trope. Right. Or the lone genius. I mean, even Tony Stark for real friend. Like you're what? I mean, <laughs> you know, his he has clearly at Stark Industries. You have an entire R and D department, which yep. we sometimes in the background see when he goes down there and slums it and like solves some major problem. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to you know CERN or right. you know Lawrence Livermore Laboratories or anything where these types hundreds. of hundreds, hundreds, <laughs> you know, thousands of people are mm-hmm. looking at a problem. And some movies do this better than others, where you see like something like um, what's the one with Jodie Foster? Contact? Yes, where you, clearly there's a worldwide astronomy effort. Yeah. And and even though not everyone obviously is a main character, you can see that they've had to globalize an endeavor to get information, right? Even something, I mean, like with Dark Knight. Yeah. Where even though Lu- Lucius Fox was the head of R&D, you saw him opening boxes of things he had to order from somewhere else. Right. Like it was not him making every little battering, him doing all of these things. It was like... You have unlimited money. Yeah. How about we farm this right. out and let somebody else do it? And he even talks about it. He was like, oh, I had to route it through this and this. You know, it's like, sure. Yeah, you have to do. I mean, that's the thing is any of these R&D departments, right? Like, you know, Stark Industries or or um, with Batman is that you have whole hundreds of people, right, that are working on this. And then and then so the team angle okay. is that. You know, the work is very specified. And, and yes, there's going to be maybe a, a team leader or project manager. Um, but this kind of lone scientist or lone evil genius or lone heroic person, mm-hmm. um, of course, it's convenient for a movie because you could cast one person. Yeah. Um, but for example, you know, Dr. Poison in Wonder Woman. Yeah. You know, World War One is called the Chemist War for a reason. Yeah, you it did was a really a good video yeah. on that a while ago. That was not one person. There were yeah. hundreds of scientists on the Allied side and on the German side that were working, and then they were getting supplies from everyone else. Like this was a worldwide global effort of an arms race, and so the idea it 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 fits because we want someone, we want one ultimately person to worship, and we want one person to blame. Right. Um, but that's not how science is, and it hasn't. Uh-huh. First of all. <laughs> It has rarely been like that, really. That's still, but it's definitely not that like that anymore. Because, you know, even a computational theoretical physicist mm-hmm. is still going to have to interface with a team that runs a supercomputer. Yeah. And petition like, to get hey, time. Hey, I need your help to do this. To do this. Yeah. And there, you know, so the the idea that you have this lone, and especially for certain things that involve, you're like, yeah, that's not what. But you, how? How mm-hmm. could you possibly even? When they say, you know, there's not enough man hours or woman hours. Like, there's not enough yeah. people hours to, you have pulled this off in the time frame. And that's not how it's done. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I think, too, what that does is some of the things that they've made in here, you're thinking, no, because it's not only, like, like take for Dr. Poison, right? So not only is she coming up with this formulation, which is historically farcical. Um, right. <laughs> but think about the container she had to test in. 
that's not her making them. There was mm -hmm. a completely different set of material scientists and organic chemists that had to come up with the proper glassware and labware to test every new thing. Then there mm -hmm. was a third set that would come up for every weapon we designed. We have to come up with a countermeasure. Mm -hmm. But in the movie, it's all her. Yeah. Or it's all him, usually in every other movie. Well, pretty much. Right? <laughs> that's just not the way it works. This person would never sleep. Mm -hmm. And first of all, they wouldn't be good at it. If you're good at one type of science and really have made it your life's work so you can perfect and be an expert at that one thing, you're also not going to be able to build this other. That's just not your area of expertise. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have teams so that we can maximize resources, you know, the resources maximize and the expertise. People hours, everything. Yeah. So those two things, lack of documentation. <laughs> it's, not, it's not sexy, right. but lack of documentation and the team. Um, and mm -hmm. I think on some hand, that's actually more scary, right? Yeah. You're one lone villain. But if, if you want to talk about taking it conspiracy, I mean, because that's what we require. And so maybe that's yeah. why people don't do it is that that would require like a multi-person conspiracy or not even a conspiracy, but that's the directive. And the thing is, that's historical. Clearly, yeah. there were hundreds of people that were doing all of this stuff. I mean, how many scientists were involved in making the atom bomb? Yeah. Worldwide. Or if you were to think about modern day with CERN. If yeah. somehow a news report came out and no, like nobody knew about CERN and then suddenly it was like we found this research <laughs> facility with 150 scientists trying to create a black <laughs> hole. People would lose their I minds. Yeah. As opposed to being like, oh, we saw this the one guy. Yeah. The that one would... guy in the backyard in Nebraska. Like, <laughs> right. what? Like, that's more Yeah, you that know, definitely, that ratchets up the, the terror, terror level. Because then the funding, right, the funding level, and, and some, right, some, obviously, like, something like the X-Files has shown that that was, of course, right, it had to, how many people knew about yeah. this? You're talking levels of people oh, for yeah. decades, right? And so, you know, on the one hand, though, you laugh it off because you're like, okay, conspiracy, lunacy, whatever. <laughs> but then when you think about it, when you think about, no, this is documented. We had, we had a chemist war, and then we had another ramp up for World War II and a whole arms race. And we don't think of those as conspiracies because they weren't. They were out in they, the open. On Just front street. Everybody yep. knew it. Like everybody was this war effort. And so I think that it's a, it's always been a team. And, and of course, in World War II and in World War I, the names involved, Fritz Haber, Einstein for the next round, mm -hmm. the names, Schrodinger. Right. Right. Like some of the things that, of course, you always think of the theoretical way, like what they're kind of their knowledge content building that they're familiar with. But then you realize some of these folks, you're like, oh, so they were in the way. Yes, yeah. they were like that they were involved, uh, you know, and I think that that's kind of the thing. And, and, you know, who knows where it'll be next. But the team, it's good and bad. Like there's we we've, of course, space travel. Awesome teams. Right. Mm -hmm. The fact that we have a Zika vaccine that's coming out in literally mind warp speed because that was that team just got assembled and people threw lots of money and time at it i mean mm -hmm. it works both ways human genome project you throw yeah. the world's best experts and you throw money and 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 you know a will to do it and we can do it in like freakishly fast times because we're gonna have thousands of people the world over mm -hmm. overworking on it so it's not just a bad thing that's how we actually get all the cool stuff too so you're not going to get, you know, I think and we still perpetrate the loan. Oh, it's going to be a college dropout who comes up with the next right, hot thing. Right. Okay. That might work for Snapchat. <laughs> yeah. And that's super. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, you know, the thing that's what we're seeing is for like these bigger issues, these bigger problems, they require 
thousands and people and, hours yeah. <laughs> and think about like for some of these computing issues people are having to link up around the world to have mm -hmm. enough computing power mm -hmm. but then all the people hours of programming that and then double checking and triple you know checking and all of that it comes down to having to coordinate a huge number of people across I don't know 14 times There's something crazy Jeez. like when you think about the management yeah, of it, yeah. and I think that's the thing is I know that it's that's the part that's not sexy or glamorous but that's how you make any project success, right? The administration of it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you do, right? You do see those people in the role, like with Morgan Freeman's character is like, right. he's a great manager. But sometimes mm -hmm. I look at that and I go, why is he in this meeting? <laughs> like, right. doesn't he have a person for this? Like, you yeah. know? <laughs> and then you realize, oh, that's because they actually don't want the liability issues. Mm -hmm. They just want to be able to get rid of that one guy. One person. Not 17 underlings, yeah. right? <laughs> So, but I think it's funny to look at that kind of stuff and be like, oh, I see what you're doing there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome. With the team aspect and with everything that you just so eloquently said, when it comes to women in these STEM fields and furthering that into STEAM mm -hmm. fields, mm -hmm. as allies, what can we do to encourage more participation in these STEM fields? fields and build those teams and build those networks well I you know I would say that there there are women in science and there are there are people of color and there are LGBTQ um, ally our peers and you know what at this stage I want to say just get out of our way and shut the hell up <laughs> and, I, and I say that with love mm -hmm. but the idea is we know how to fix this and what's not how we don't need more recruitment we're already here Mm. We need the environment to help us stay here. There's a difference. There's two different issues. One's recruitment. Mm -hmm. One's retention. Interesting. Okay. We don't have a recruitment issue. We have a retention issue. Interesting. So are, are you making it so that they can advance? Are you getting out of okay. their way? And, and the same systems of oppression that exist in general society exist everywhere within it, including in the scientific community. So the best thing that people can do is check your privilege. Mm-hmm. Work on your own destructive behavior mm -hmm. and sometimes to shut your mouth and get out of the way. Yeah. And I mean, I'm saying that to myself is, are we putting up roadblocks that don't need to be there? Mm -hmm. And there are, we have amazing underrepresented minorities, you know, that are involved in these things. Get out of their way. Stop micro messaging and micro, you know, and microaggressions. And, and mm -hmm. that's not, you got to make the environment, you know, again, look at the Google letter for real Google. Right. That, you think that he's the only one? You hired him for, quote, a culture fit. Mm -hmm. What you doing then? How's your culture? Mm -hmm. How are you retaining the best talent? Because, by the way, if that's your best talent, then you got some answering to do. Yep. How is that person reflective of everyone else? Everyone else. Yep. And then if you have someone like that and you have more than one person like that, why would someone want to stay? We always like, you know, toxic work environment. Oh, yeah. Like, how are you going to retain the best talent? when you allow an abusive environment well and as as people of color we have been in those situations yeah. you know whether it was something intentional and because they talk about that a lot also yeah was it that difference between ignorance and arrogance was it something intentional or somebody did and said something or just somebody being dumb and saying something off the top of their head without looking around the room and being like and at some point oh. your intention doesn't matter and we yeah. learned that right and when i go through training and title nine training because i'm an academic and all these things is your intention does not matter it was said it or was it said, was said it was done mm -hmm. and 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 part of it is you know your intention is not what communicated you did a thing right and and that is the issue 
And so, but we you know, I think if everyone just checked yourself, you know, okay. it kind of reminds me of the just check yourself, right? Before you wreck yourself. Before you wreck yourself. <laughs> um, and more important, before you wreck your, your culture and your identity. And if someone tells you, like, look around. If you don't have underrepresented minorities in positions of leadership, if your leadership does not reflect the community you serve, you have a problem. Mm-hmm. And it is not because there are not people willing to step up. It's because they might be being pushed out. Yeah. That's where we're at right now is that right. check yourself on that. And I say that I'm, I'm literally pointing to myself right now. Audience. Check yourself on that <laughs> and always be asking yourself, am I making my environment that I'm in charge of? Am I making it equitable mm-hmm. and inclusive? Not just inclusive is not good enough. Is it right. equitable and inclusive? Because that's when we can actually affect change. Fantastic. Amazing words of wisdom from the one and only Dr. Rachel Burks. Uh, where can people find you on social media to ask you more of these types of questions to expound on these? Because you do tremendous pop culture meets sci-fi videos for a multitude of different outlets. And those are always out there. But where can people reach out to you on social media and get in touch? Dr. Rabidium on Twitter. Um, that would be the best place to find me. Okay. And then my Periscope. Also, I do videos. So that would be fun. So, yeah, Dr. Rubidium. Like the element number, if you're looking at the periodic table, number 37. And let me look to the periodic table that is not here. Yep, there it is. <laughs> Got it. Found it. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you again for being on the show, Thank Dr. You. Rochelle. <laughs> I'm now sitting down with Christine Hassel. I did not mess it up this year. You I messed it up last year. It's all good, though. <laughs> uh, she, of course, has worn and continues to wear plenty of hats but is currently uh she runs the twitter feed for geek girl con welcome back to the show thank you so much i'm so excited to talk to you again because it's so much fun oh thank you thank you uh so one of the first questions other than attendance numbers Mm -hmm. how do you measure a successful con i measure a successful con by uh, basically when we get first timers who come who don't know much about Geek Girl Con mm-hmm. and they're immediately sold after their first few panels or they can't believe we've existed in Seattle for so many years and they didn't go. Or our best thing is if we get older geeks mm-hmm. thanking us for the space that we create and curate because if the, if there was a space like this for them when they were kids, how different things would have turned out. So it's when we hear that, those kind of things, or like I had an instance yesterday and I told some of the staffers this, I was waiting downstairs on the games floor Mm -hmm. and I was waiting for a friend of mine who had never been to this con before. She had run into the bathroom and waiting. I saw a friend, another friend of mine who's an ex staffer and I didn't want to leave where I was because my friend came out. She wouldn't have found me. Right. So I was in this kind of, all right, I'm just going to stay here till one or the other sees me and then I'll wave them by. Mm -hmm. And there was a young girl who was wearing a hijab Mm -hmm. who walked by our latest gaming avatar, which we, this year we did these huge uh, um, cardboard standees of Mm -hmm. them. And it just so happens that our newest one is plays games and she wears a hijab. So I'm just out of the corner of my eye, I see this girl and she looks like she, and she literally does a double take. Mm -hmm. She like looks once over her shoulder and then she looks again (laughs) and then she just stops. Wow. Like just stops. And 
I'm sitting here looking at it going, wow, this would be a great picture. Mm-hmm. I can get my photo. I can. And then I was like, well, one, it's going to be really awkward because I couldn't get to my camera, right. my phone. <laughs> and then two, I realize I like I'm looking around and it's hitting me that there's all this commotion and all these people moving and bustling, playing games, role playing, hollering at each other, walking by because mm-hmm. she's right near where the bathrooms are. Right. And no one is noticing that there is this could be preteen or a teenage girl mm-hmm. who sees herself right there. sees someone who looks mm-hmm. like her on on packaging, not packaging, but their marketing, marketing branding. right? And mm-hmm. branding and branding like here's this inclusive space for you. And she stood there for a minute. And I just sit there and I was like, I'm going to start crying. And then my friend came <laughs> out of the star. I could see my friend coming in the bathroom. And then you saw her sister like wave at her and then mm-hmm. Like it, like a pause button. She just runs over. They grabbed a game and then they like kind of scampered off. And I was like, that's why we do what we do. When we see those girls mm-hmm. see themselves and want to take selfies and then want to, yeah. you know, like uh, our board member Katrina said that they ran to the Cheesecake Factory and the DIY Science Zone buttons. Mm-hmm. They gave one to one of the servers there. She was like, it's me. Like you have me on your buttons. And they awesome. were like, Oh, please take it. And so mm-hmm. she's been telling everyone who's come in about geek girl con. Cause she's like, look, they have me on their button. Ha ha. They really awesome women and they do this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like those kind of things, you know? So you mentioned kind of offhandedly, you know, seeing that, you know, it gets that emotional response, mm-hmm. you know, that you thought you were going to cry yeah. real talk. Yeah. How many times have you cried this weekend? Uh, three. Yep. It's been three. Three times. Mm-hmm. One time was after a panel, uh, the, the panel that's the nearest and dearest to my heart as an Asian American mm-hmm. is the Breaking the Bamboo Ceiling. Right. And this uh, every year that I've done it, it's been like a different iteration of the panel with an additional panelist each time. Okay. And like the first time I did it, I was very fortunate to have a local author named Leilani Nishime who's actually book I read, which is what inspired me to do the panel. So when a friend of a friend's like, oh, I know her, I'm like, really? And she loved to do the panel. And I like, you know, collectively lost my ish going. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then like the next year it was, I asked a friend of mine, would you like to be on the panel? And the year after that, it was, um, there was an Indonesian American high schooler in the audience who was like, I loved your panel. Can I write about it for my blog? Oh, what is your blog? And she's like, Oh, it's video games. And she said, it would be really cool if maybe you would include video games. And like, without joking, I was like, why don't you be on the panel? And she was like, what really? And I went next year, I'll pitch the panel. You can be on the panel. And Sonia has been on it every year since. And last year, we did the panel at Emerald City Comic Con, mm-hmm. and a guy came up to us after the panel and wanted to speak to us, and half of us had to run off and half of us could stay. So we spoke to him for a solid hour. Um, wow. At the con? At the con. Just We took a seat outside and we talked to him, and he was saying that his views as a Vietnamese, uh, Vietnamese man... Mm-hmm who his family left Vietnam after the war. Then he grew up in Hawaii Hmm. and then spent time in Japan for school. And then before coming back to the mainland. Hmm. So he said that his views of media are very different than what we talked about. Not that it invalidated it, but he said our panel really, really cut to the heart of what he struggles with, which is the layers of identity Mm -hmm. as an Asian 
American as an Asian person. And so we, we loved talking to him so much. We're like, Hey, you want to be on the panel too? (laughs) And he was like, really? So when I saw him on the floor today, Mm -hmm. I like, you know, kind of, we were passing each other because I was trying to get to another appointment, but he said like, like, I really want to tell you that coming to this convention has been so phenomenal. I got to like do things with my 3d printing. I got Mm. to like network with a bunch of people on Saturday and doing the panel was a highlight. But he said, I understand now why you do what you do in this space. Mm -hmm. And he said, I just really want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be a part of it. And I'm like, but you were awesome on our panel. But he was like, no, it, it meant a lot to me that you, you and your friends stayed behind to interact with me and talk to me. Cause I mean, I'm just some guy, right? He said, Mm -hmm. and this is geek girl con, but he said he realized this space is inclusive for allies. And he's just like, he got it, you know, and I was just like, stop talking because, yep, there it is. It made me cry. <laughs> but he just gave me like one of those genuine hugs mm-hmm. to say, I'll be back next year. And I want to like be part of your outreach if you want to do things with 3D printing or getting kids excited about it or mm-hmm. writing grants to get this stuff to underserved communities. Okay. Because he was like, there are a lot of underserved areas in Seattle. I mean, and there's a lot of overserved you yeah. see some of the schools in Seattle, you're like, damn, that's a swimming pool there. And mm-hmm. then you see other schools where you're like, how old is that textbook yeah. that those kids have? And so it's not it's not about like, oh, let's make the charity case, but let's bring some of this cool tech mm-hmm. to the kids. Because why not? Because it should be equal, you know? Absolutely. And so it was him him talking about that kind of stuff and saying how cool it was that he got to meet so many people here. That's when I was just like... Ah, oh, Tony, you're going to make me cry. Stop it. And then it was the hug. It was the hug that did it. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, there it is. Yep. There's the tears. And that yeah. is one of the things that I feel really separates this con mm-hmm. from all of the other ones. Because here in Seattle, we are definitely fortunate. There are probably 20 different cons yeah. in the Seattle area yeah. every year, if not more. SakuraCon, AkiCon, yeah. all of those. But this one is so much different and elicits such a different emotional response yeah. than any of the other ones that I have been to. Yeah. So to me, that is incredibly special. Just kind of witnessing it, watching it. If you could summarize what this year's con, if you had one word to describe this year's con, what would it be? One word. Mm-hmm. I know my word, but. <laughs> one word. Um. Can you distill it to one? I Bomb. Can. I'm looking at my. I'm looking at another <laughs> staffer sitting here, who's my sis, mm-hmm. Shabzilla, local Filipino American rapper. There's the nod to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just look at her and I'm just like, "Bomb." But no, that is not my one word to sum okay. it up. I would say, yeah, growth or inclusivity. Okay. This year, our programming department, and I'm not just saying this because one of our programming people are also in the room, Marina. I see you. I'm not saying this because she's here in earshot, <laughs> right. but a real concerted effort was made to to have more inclusivity on panels, mm-hmm. to have more, like, I did a panel, um, I stepped up to moderate a panel because the original woman had to step back because of financial issues. Okay. And her panel was um, Attack of the Black Taku. The basically the 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 what it's like to be a black or a person of color mm-hmm. in anime fandoms, yep. right? Hence the black taku, which mm-hmm. I thought was very clever. Um, and I had a staff, um, one other staffer on the panel, Rebecca Rocha, who's in our design, and then another uh, woman who's Latina, 
a queer Latina woman from Portland. And they were making the joke about how meeting each other, it was like there's more than one Latina nerd. Mm-hmm. I am not the only one like Highlander. And I think <laughs> right. that's one of the things I love about Geek Girl Con mm-hmm. is when you see people like look at each other and go, oh, you're like, oh, you're like me. Mm-hmm. And with the internet and social media, like uh, one of the uh, the other panelists is uh, part of the um, people on YouTube, Pretty Brown and Nerdy. I believe okay. that's the name of their not podcast. They might do a podcast. They also do a YouTube channel. But she was like, oh, no, all my friends live on the Internet because <laughs> right. of the area that she lives in. And she's like, she's fine with that. But all of her friends are like people of color and they're other blurs. And mm-hmm. that's you know what I mean? It's that. So I think. Yeah, I would say growth this year. Yeah, I'm almost still Shubbs' word. Growth. 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 All right. I yeah. like it. What is your word? My word is perseverance. Any, that is another good word. Anybody yep. who has kind of been in and around yeah. the, the Seattle Geek Girl Con scene yes, over the, the, past, the past couple months, uh, the biggest thing for me, seeing what was going on just from the outside, and I would uh-huh. reach out to you. I reached out to you a couple times during yeah. everything. being like, like, can't talk, can't talk. Yeah. Fire putting but out. But to me... It was perseverance because yeah. once the con started yeah, and everybody was walking around, you see those families, you see the kids, boys, girls, everything, nobody knew. Yeah. And the people who did know, like, it did not affect the atmosphere, did not affect the emotional capability of the, you know, the attendants yeah. or the attendees. So just to me, it was perseverance. Yeah. Just watching everything, limiting, of course, my exposure from the back end of things, but seeing yeah. it right now, you guys did an incredible job. Well, thank so. you. Yeah, we worked. I would say this was the year of, like, I'm not. Yeah, I'm gonna quote the wire because I love Omar. But right. that idea of you come at the king, you best not miss. Mm. So literally, it's like <laughs> you people that wanted to get real, real. I don't like to use the word shady because mm-hmm. in this context, I'll say real whitey about it, and <laughs> lob some very specific, some specific allegations. Yeah. Right. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. Here's the geek girl con hat, not the. Christine hat where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, off the record. But ideally when you, when, when that first hit mm-hmm. and it, it went fe- like, it was literally like a conflagration of I'm going to throw my cigarette butt and start that wildfire. Yep. It was because if you read it, it read like, Oh, geek girl con is racist. Mm-hmm. But it was like, it was co-opting the, like the language to make, to do the much damage and all this stuff. And it was so, for longtime staffers like Shubs and myself, again, because mm-hmm. you're right here and I keep this seeing This is an audio you. medium, yes, but uh, audio, yeah. we're pointing at Shubzilla. We're Shubzilla. I'm gesturing again. <laughs> but it's that idea that like we've been through these kind of things and we try to be better each time. Mm-hmm. And when we mess up, we own our mistakes because right. that's what you should do. And I feel like we should level up each time and get better each time and take the criticism and go, you know what? You're right. Let's try to be better. And every year mm-hmm. I feel we're better. So when those allegations got lobbed at us and then so many people were so quick to go, well, it was that kind of, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? Are you kidding <laughs> me? It's like literally like, oh, let's let's just turn off all social media so we can scream into a pillow before we go. OK, now we're going to now it's time to do the do. We're going to do this. Right. We'll do this job for our community mm-hmm. because that's why we're here. It's for yeah. the girl in the hijab or the girl mm-hmm. in the wheelchair or we have um, one of my friends is now on staff. Mm-hmm. She's done ASL interpreting here, right. right? And it's that idea. She has, and I thanked her for it today. I told her that I now have a widened view of inclusion mm. because next year she would like to, my husband runs role-playing games here. He's mm-hmm. done it for five, 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 six years. She asked him, would you mind if 
you ran a game and you had interpreters at the game. And he's like, why would I mind? That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I've told her that in thinking of those terms, I am now more aware of it because the idea that somebody who is differently abled, they should be able to have as good of a con experience as we can give them Mm -hmm. because why not? Yeah. Why not? Especially when you have the resources, you have the, the people power, you know, to make it happen. And it's the desire to make it a space where somebody who is hearing impaired or somebody who has a cane or somebody who's, I mean, whatever it is, like the programming department sends out this really amazing thing about like, if you're going to have video, please Mm -hmm. take the time to maybe close caption it. Or if you're going to do panel slides, consider color blindness when you do it. Like don't do basically like don't do janky colors that are going to be real hard to read if you have visual acuity issues. And I don't think you get that with other cons. It's like, pick up your badge here. Here's your thing. Bye. Right. But it's like the geek girl con programming staff go through here is like two pages of hints and tips. And you're like, man, this is long. But at the same (laughs) time, it's for the community. Mm -hmm. It's because they've stopped to go, Hey, we don't want that one person to miss out on this awesome stuff. Yeah. Excellent. So because I like uh, A, to put people under pressure oh, okay. and, and B, to ask them to summarize things I gotta go. You know, shortly. No so, yeah, right. I gotta <laughs> oh, go. Oh, oh, oh. I'm joking. There's my phone ringing in another room. So you have been involved with Geek Girl Con now for five years, six years? I So I was on staff shortly before the first convention and then I stepped away. Okay. Um, and then I came back right after the first convention because um, my the volunteer opportunity that I was doing, I had a radio show with the Washington talking book and braille library and they lost their funding. So I couldn't have my radio show anymore. So I was sad. Mm-hmm. And there was a geek girl con was like, well, there's still positions. And I was like, Oh, Hey, it's a con. It didn't like I attended the first year and I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, they're going to have a second year. They weren't just a one-off. Right. I mean, I won't, I mean, I'll be totally serious. Oh, I like, let me apply. This is going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing. It wasn't just a one and done. Um, and so, yeah. So I would say I've been on staff, since after the first con. So what is that? Almost six years? Yeah. I think because yeah, the first one was years. 2011. Yes. Yeah. Because this is our se- what, seventh year? Sixth. Seventh <laughs> year. Okay. I cannot do the countings. This is our seventh year. So that I will be. Yes. December will be six years for me. Okay. There we go. So when you look back you uh-huh. know, of these six years, if you go back and give your past self uh-huh. one sentence to help guide you through the rest of this journey. What would that sentence be? This is like that home, that episode of the Simpsons where (laughs) like Abe gives his son the, the advice and he keeps stepping on the same thing and he keeps ruining like the future of the Simpsons. I love that. And he keeps coming back and every time he comes back, he's like, don't they keep it's, it's one of the greatest visual gags on the Simpsons. (laughs) But since this is an, not a visual medium, right. And that makes no sense. I would say, if I could, is it like a one sentence advice to give myself? Yeah, one sentence that you can tell your past self, knowing what you have gone through, knowing the challenges, but also the amazing things. One sentence to help guide them, to guide her. Sure. Okay. I would basically say, do not let other people define what you do for Geek Girl Con and keep on doing it. Okay. Just keep on doing it. Because the haters are going to hate and people mm-hmm. are going to always have stuff to say. And there was something really cool that was said during one of the panels that I uh, moderated yesterday. Mm-hmm. That And I cannot remember who said it. It might have been Sister Geek who said it. But blackness does not exist in a box. Right. Right? And mm-hmm. it's that idea of 
yes, like people are always going to complain, but at the same time, if I let other people define who I am and buckle to that kind of pressure, then you wouldn't have movements for change, right? Mm-hmm. And especially in our oh, climate, political climate mm-hmm. that we have, <laughs> it's all about the marginalized communities speaking up for each other and right. speaking up, speaking out, showing up and and helping helping each other because we are mm-hmm. we have whole lot of us are all on one side of this this divide i guess i don't know yeah. what you call it this culture war so it's it's about these spaces that do education as well as fun and escapism because a lot of us need that escapism absolutely daily stuff is fatiguing adulting is hard adulting is hard <laughs> i like want to sit around with like a box of wine and pajamas and just cry into like an episode of Insecure, like have a wind right. down for one, mm-hmm. and that would just be sad. Um, but then I'd be on Twitter, like drunk tweeting my friends, going, "What are you doing? I'm drunk. No, I'm not. I'm not just joking. Right. <laughs> I'm punchy though, because it's been two days of con, and yes. I just had a cupcake. So it's like, woo, sugar. But, my but only the top of the cupcake. The top. Of, we had so this is a, an aside to his audience. This is a deep cut. This is a deep cut here in the Geek Girl Con Staff HQ. We, one of our amazing donors who we love, Stevie, gave us these gorgeous cupcakes from Trophy. I think Trophy. I think, I think Cupcake Royale. Sorry, Cupcake Royale. Sorry if they ever want to sponsor us. The other Cupcake local. Royale. Multiple, multiple uh, places near you. I'm terrible. Anyway, so I grabbed a cupcake to take before my panel. Mm-hmm. It was just the top. <laughs> and I was confused and thought, I do not have time to figure this out. Mm-hmm. So I'll wrap it up and I go. And I return to Staff HQ. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, who works with Shubs in the merge area, mm-hmm. goes over to the cupcakes and he picks a cupcake up. And then he picks another one up. And then I hear him explain, <laughs> I'm robbed. And I'm like, what's going on? And so he's like, I, and he comes over and he's like, somebody ate the bottoms of the cupcakes. Mm-hmm. And I went, are you serious? Because look at the cupcake I had. So I show him mine. And so we're like, there was a cereal cupcake bottom eater. Right. right. <laughs> and then shoves were like, oh, we're going to, we're going to get shoves. Because shoves is like, what's wrong? We're like, take a cupcake. So she takes it. She's like, well, where's the bot? We're like, someone mm-hmm. ate three full bottoms <laughs> off of the cupcakes, but right. then left the tops. Um, so yeah, it, we were laughing, and so but all three of us did eat the cupcake top because we just wanted that pure sugar. Absolutely, no. End of the con. It's like we need sugar and caffeine. And with me, every time I would come into the staff room, I just saw the top, so I was like, oh, okay, I wonder if they were just that. So I asked, and then I found at the store, and it was like, who does that? Who does that? Who eats what the bottom kind of, of cu- weird evil villain eats the bottom of the, the the moist part, and then you had left with the top part, and then the ratio is off. Oh yeah, and you can't rip off the bottom and no. make the cupcake sandwich mm-hmm. like we all do in Seattle. Absolutely, there's too much icing. Anyway, Rude. that was a deep cut. That was <laughs> <laughs> for the staff HQ. Um, so what does the future hold for Geek Girl Con at 2018? 2018. Oh, I already, I already am percolating on panels, Marina. I already got so many panels going on. I don't want to do them all, but I'm gonna pitch them. Um, For those wondering, Marina is in the back of the room. She is Marina and and audio SG medium and some coffee people. This is a lot, and they're all waving, right. not speaking. So yeah, we're just like, no, they don't exist. They're puppets. Um, what are what I would like to see for next year, 2018? I would love to see more. Um, featured contributors of color, okay. right? That would be really awesome. I'd love to see. I'd love to see like Samus come back. I'd yeah. love to see Jamie Broadnax of Black Girl Nerds to come back mm-hmm. because 
she was really, really awesome when she came. And I understand, I mean, she spread really thin, yeah. like with Toronto of uh, International Film Festival mm-hmm. and covering so much because she's got Black Girl Nerds is like turning this amazing, like, she has juggernaut. It's she's blown up. Years. And I'm like, hats off. She's so well deserved. But I'd love for her to come back out. Okay. Um, I would love for some of the people who gave us some very, uh, very harsh critiques early on to maybe feel that it's a safe enough space to come back because hmm. a, a lot of people are like, I went to geek girl con. I had a bad experience. I'm going to wash my hands of them. I'm never gonna I'm never going to go back cause I can't get it right. right. Well, it's like you went in year one <laughs> and I don't want to be like, Hey, don't be that person. But mm-hmm. I understand I'm not going to make anybody do something, but right. at the same time I would like them to go, Oh, Geek Girl Con has been trying. Mm-hmm. So maybe I will go and check out that space again. You know? Awesome. Maybe in year eight. Let's see. Okay. And I mean, and if we're still, if they still have the same criticisms, then hey, we need to have a serious talk. Like, really, like, let us have a face to face. Let's, like, actually mm-hmm. hash this out on Skype, Facebook, whatever. Yeah. Because we want to know. Legitimately, we want to know because we want to be better. And again, that speaks to, you know, what we were talking about before. Yeah. If you go to PAX, if you go to yeah. Emerald City Comic Con, and you have a bad experience for whatever reason, yeah, and you email somebody at Read Pop yeah. or somebody being like, "This happened," nothing like no. it, it. Just the the percentage of times that that is going to get a an accurate response and something yeah. that will actually enact enact change, yeah, is minimal. Whereas yeah. here, because you guys are so open minded about this, and yeah, if somebody has a bad experience, mm-hmm. you want to know. Yeah. So that you can address it and move forward and try and fix it. I would say something that I have never encountered in any other organization that I've worked with. Uh, worked with because when I went to um, university in Houston, mm-hmm. I went to a Catholic university. So service was also part of your graduation requirement. Mm-hmm. I did not graduate, much to my mother's chagrin. Um, <laughs> but somewhere there's a Filipino angry mom in Houston going, did you say graduate? Anyway, <laughs> well, you had to log... X amount of hours of volunteering. Mm -hmm. And so we always did volunteer in other nonprofits. Geek Girl Con is like a family, right? And I think that's why sometimes a lot of us get so easily angered Mm -hmm. and incensed or impassioned about the thing that we do. (coughs) Sorry. I've tried to hold it in. Totally. (coughs) There we go. Uh. (coughs) There we go. I'm done now. I'll try this again. Um, I think that that's why, because Geek Girl Con is like a family, right? Mm-hmm. When someone sends in a complaint to like the programming department, it's not like hot potato. Right. It's not like one person's going to pass it off to another. <laughs> if anything else, you're going to have like five people emailing each other going, did you get back to that person? Mm-hmm. Have you talked to that person? Hey, so-and-so, have you done the And it's it's almost like not too many cooks, mm-hmm. but you have enough people that are like, we want to make sure that that person feels listened to, taken care of. Can, do you want me to take it? Like, And not like take, you take the bullet for the thing, but mm-hmm. do you want me to do it? Or hey, so-and-so, do you want to do it? Or do you? And I've never encountered that anywhere else. It's like... Oh, I don't want to. Can you? Because I don't want right. to do that. Can you? Yeah. So I think awesome. that, that that's what makes it different with Geek Girl Con. Everyone who's here, yeah, we persevere and we do it because we love it. You know, Excellent. warts and all, we love it. 
There you go. Yeah, there you go. And where can people follow you personally on Twitter? What is the best way to get a hold of the con and get sure. the most updates throughout the year? Because this is not just a one no, once a year not. thing. There are we so are many all over things the going social on. media. So hit them up. Yeah. So if we are, if you're looking to follow us on social media, it is you can follow us on um, Twitter, Geek Girl Con. Mm-hmm. Um, our website is geekrocon.com. We're on Tumblr. We are on um, Instagram. Instagram, yes, <laughs> thank you. We're on Meetup. We do a biweekly games oh, okay. meetup, inclusive games meetup. Right, right. Yeah, which is really cool. And um, if you have any questions, you can always send an email to info at geekgirlcon.com. And well, maybe not like today or tomorrow. Give us a little time. <laughs> right. But eventually somebody will reply to you and we'll, you know, if you have questions about programming or getting involved, we're always looking for volunteers and board mm-hmm. positions. And there's lots of ways you can get involved with our organization, which is really cool. Um, and if you want to follow me, I am at German City Girl on Twitter. Excellent. Thank you again um, yeah. uh, for sitting down with me. Thank you for another year, another amazing con. I am privileged to be a part of this for a second year. Yes, it's so awesome. I hope to see you again for a third year. Absolutely. Thank you again, Christine. You're welcome. Okay, bye-bye. All right. So we are back in the studio after Geek Girl Con 2017 at the Washington State Conference Center. Wow. A lot. There was... A lot of stuff. I was able to go on both days, Saturday oh, and Sunday. I can't even imagine. Uh, you just joined me on Sunday. There's so much stimulus. My brain is <laughs> a little bit fried. I can only imagine going both days. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh, real quick, I want to definitely shout out the amazing people that I had the chance to interview. So starting from the top, Erica Luttrell. And I, I mispronounced it when I was talking to her. It is a tricky one. Anyway, she was great. Luttrell, but not Luttrell. Right. It is you. U-L-L. Luttrell. Luttrell. Exactly. But, but is it Luttrell or is it Luttrell? One of those. So many, so many things you could emphasize. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Uh, she was great. Carrie McLean from Black Nerd Problems. Uh, Dr. Rachel Burks, of course. And Christine Hassel. It was great. Uh, the interview. So big shout out to everybody who found the time to... Sit down with me. Thank you. Uh, Because, yeah, it was in the middle of all of these cons. Only sometimes is it like, hey, I actually do have five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. This time, everybody was super gracious and, yeah, gave me a lot of time. So I appreciate that. Thank you to them. Uh, Going right into the panels. Now, unfortunately, Aaron was not able to go see any of the panels. (laughs) uh, Because, again, there is... There's so, so much. much to do. Yeah. And not only that, but at the same time, there are normally three to four panels going on. Simultaneously. Simultaneously. Yeah. So you have to like pick and choose. And I learned that at the other con I was at earlier this year is that like you mm-hmm. you have to choose wisely because yeah. you run the and then like when you're like super let down by one and you're like, I did not choose one. Like I felt like I was legit in the Indiana Jones. I was like, you have chosen, chosen poorly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there were one there was one uh, on Sunday night. That I stayed for about half, then I went to a different conference room to see if I could get a little bit of that. So the ones that I saw that I definitely want to talk about, uh, diversity in D&D. Jeremy Crawford, who is the lead rules developer of Dungeons & Dragons for Wizards of the Coast, uh, he gave this amazing presentation just talking about the diversity 
that they really, really intentionally did in this new 5th edition, or newer 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons, which I play almost every week, <laughs> as I push my glasses. Uh, yeah, I have to say that today, the thing that I saw the biggest excitement from John over was rolling this giant stuffed <laughs> plush D20, like... Yeah. Just he was excited about a lot of things, but I'm legit telling you that that was the most excited <laughs> I saw him all day. It was pretty awesome. Uh and it was actually at the Wizards of the Coast yeah. booth. Uh I kind of want that D20 I know plush. You do. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. And I won some dice. Yeah. Uh and so did you, but you yeah. you did not roll as well as I did, so I won I, more. I t- and I warned them. I told them I was like I have terrible luck even when I played magic. I was like, "Nope." I was like, "You're all going to die if you give me the dice." So she rolled a one and yeah. then the presenter <laughs> slipped. It was awkward. It was terrible. Um, Something caught fire. I don't know. It was yeah, that was weird. <laughs> uh, so Jeremy Crawford, uh, the way that he talked about the inclusion and the things that they actively sought to do in this fifth edition was really great to hear. Because looking through the fifth edition player's handbook, you know you can see the normal things, trolls, orcs, but when it came to the actual playable characters, they really went into it with a fifty-fifty split. They wanted to have fifty percent men. Women, they wanted people of color. He joked that he actually had a huge spreadsheet to make sure that he could check all of the boxes to make sure that everybody awesome. was represented. That was just so cool. So, and there was a Q&A after, and there's some interesting questions. I mean, granted, you know, it was the diversity in D&D. And so there were questions that I think are better suited for more one-on-one type mm-hmm. of situations. Not which a formal I- panel. Yeah, because he only has a certain amount of time after his presentation to do Q&A. And if you want like a long, drawn out, you know, written word by word conversation about roots and its implications and the entire, you know, plight of people of color, it's probably not the best (laughs) time to have that conversation. Not so much. And especially when they were bringing up things that they might be doing in future editions. Mm -hmm. And just like any publishing. can't talk about it. Yeah, just like any publishing company, he was like, just keep your eyes open. (laughs) So... But yeah, so he is Jeremy E. Crawford on Twitter. Uh, he encouraged people to just kind of like send him a message, you know, hit him up. If you do have a question, if you want to talk about the diversity angle. So that was really cool. The other panel that I saw was on Sunday, and that was the Do Black Heroes Matter panel uh, with Isabella Price, Kristen Hassel, and Your Risha Kay. no, you can stop listening. Right, well, what, they <laughs> joked about that. They're like... All right, welcome to the panel for, you know, do black heroes even matter? And then one of the panels was like, the answer is yes. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah. That's all, folks. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that was a really good panel also because it was one of the panels that, of course, the answer is yes, black heroes matter. But they went into their personal stories of. But do you feel like black heroes matter? That's the difference. It's like knowing black heroes mm-hmm. matter is the same as knowing black lives matter. But do we feel like black lives matter? Right. So when they went into their personal stories, that was great. When they talked about the imagery, that was important. Like seeing Luke Cage in a hoodie with bullet holes in the hoodie, but he is still there. So cool. So and they so they broke that down. Really, really cool. Uh, that was just a solid panel. All the panels are great. Now you're just throwing it in my face. Well, yeah, pretty much. Next year you are going both days. Possibly. <laughs> I was like, there's a lot up in the air about next year. So, Oh, yeah, that is true. <laughs> there might be some travel involved. There might be, yeah. I was like, I'll fly back for the Comic-Con, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and as Aaron alluded to, there's a lot of stimulus. One of the things that this con does oh, exceptionally well. I loved it so much. Um, 
Actually, then, then yeah, go ahead, speak on it a little bit. Um, okay, so anybody that knows me knows that I have uh, some social anxiety issues, some generalized <laughs> anxiety issues, mm-hmm. and uh, some stimulus control issues with my ADD. Um, I went to my very first con earlier this year. I went to Emerald City Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were several times where I purposely had to lock myself into a bathroom stall because I literally could not process all the sights, sounds, smells, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the combination of everybody wearing a different type of perfume and lotion, and then there were a ton of people that didn't put on nearly enough deodorant and were sweating mm-hmm. through their costumes. Like The smells yeah. alone was a lot for me to process because smells hit me harder than almost anything else. Okay. Um, it was just a lot for me to take in at that Comic-Con. Here today, there were safe spaces. There were mm-hmm. introvert rooms. There were nursing areas. They There were gender-neutral bathrooms. Like... This this whole event, and I I don't know how to phrase this in the right way, but it's very clear that there were a lot of women in charge for mm-hmm. the determining of specific areas choices. Well, it's it's the fact that they gave options. Like it's mm. the fact that they that even somebody thought to include, hey, the general public for who we're trying to cater for right now might have a lot of mental health issues or have, mm-hmm. you know, anxieties, things like that about going into cramped spaces or yeah. even spaces. just yeah, loud spaces mm-hmm. or even just getting overwhelmed with the fact that you're seeing somebody that you've idolized for goodness yeah. knows how long and you don't know how to process your feelings. Mm-hmm. So, so the fact that there was somebody there that said we need to focus less on who's coming to this and more on like the why behind it and the Mm -hmm. kind of personalities that are coming here and what can we do to make this a fun event for everyone and not to the point where somebody was like I have to leave I can't be here anymore like they have the option to stay and have fun and continue to meet other people that celebrate the same thing that they do and what they're there for Mm -hmm. so I loved how much inclusion was there today for for those people that have the the quiet concerns is the mm-hmm. way I like to call it. It's not like a seizure that you have on an open floor. It's a brain seizure going on behind your eyes that nobody really knows is happening. Right. Yeah. That's having amazing. spaces like Introverts Alley with couches, with chairs, with where you can just go. You can and sit, sit. And everybody can see that and recognize. They respect it. Yeah. They yeah. respect that space. Nobody goes over there blasting music or anything like that. Everybody was like, it's a chill zone. And they also, you know, unlike the huge conventions like Emerald City Comic Con, PAX, there are people taking photos everywhere. The respect, mm-hmm. the just <laughs> bottom line respect of this con was incredible. So by those areas where there were couches, chairs, where people were just hanging out, taking time, you did not see photo shoots. You did not see people taking the opportunity to pose for whatever. There was one time, actually, I saw it was somebody uh, cosplaying X-23. And it was right by the escalator. She came down and somebody got excited. I was like, hey, can I take your picture? She's like, sure. She looks behind her, sees where she is, walks five feet to the side. Again. So it's just the understanding and the respect for the fact that like, and this has come a lot into play over the last few years of everyone being like, why do people need safe spaces? <laughs> and it's like, if you if you don't have something that you have to function with on a daily basis mm-hmm. that all of a sudden has a wrench thrown in it that you don't know what to do. I just explained to John um, about how... Um, at Emerald City, I had I had to help a girl who had severe social anxiety, mm-hmm. and she got so overwhelmed that it actually resulted in she has a, a type of muteness that happens whenever she gets overwhelmed. Um, and the staff at Emerald City were trying their hardest, but literally didn't know what to do with this girl. They were yeah. trying to touch her, move her, There's and that was just making it worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, 
the fact that there was a respect and a knowledge, I think it's more for me the acknowledgement that these are the kind of people that are going to be coming to an event like this. Mm -hmm. So how do we best prepare so that they can have an amazing time as well as protect themselves and and practice self-care? Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of cosplay, I mentioned X-23. There's some incredible cosplay. There were some incredible. <laughs> I'm going to start crying again. <laughs> there are some incredible parent-kid combos that John can attest to made me cry on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was parenting done right. But yeah. there was like a stormtrooper and a little Ray. And mm-hmm. I saw this woman had, uh, her and her husband were there and they had twins mm-hmm. in a stroller. And they were dressed as the four characters from uh uh, the Disney Incredibles. Pic- no, the the uh, the feelings one. Uh, Inside Out. Inside Out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they were dressed as the four Aww. emotions from Inside Out. It was just so cute. They were just so cute. <laughs> just so cute. <laughs> I think only dogs were able to hear that last I'm part. Sorry. That there's a frequency pitch that went up. <laughs> but yeah, I mean this this con. I mean, and this is no shade on the other cons, but this con is different. The, the focus could, it on caters family. to a different audience, Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. The focus on family, obviously the focus on, you know, young geek girls. But the amount of parents that you see. I saw so costumes. many more. So many more than I did at Emerald. Oh, for sure. Like, and they went all out. There were some parents where I was like, dude, mm-hmm. how many months did you spend on that? Yeah, there was an awesome uh, Princess Mononoke. And her mom had like a, a white wolf costume. So she would put on the oh, mask, nice. put Mononoke on her back, like. It was just incredible. And again, it just is a different type of atmosphere. I felt so safe today. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, and it, that, like you said, no shade on the other cons yeah. by any means whatsoever. It's it's a different mentality at everyone. But I never once felt like I wasn't among other like-minded individuals or mm-hmm. that I was going to run the risk of experiencing sexism or misogyny or right. racial tension, which unfortunately is kind of an undercurrent in a lot of this you know this geek or nerd universe there's yeah. a lot of that that runs rampant that a lot of people don't know about that don't exist in it but i felt none of that today like it was such an amazing uplifting feeling like i literally cannot say enough positive things about geek girl con fantastic like to hear that uh next thing we're going to talk about a couple of the artists that we saw because oh. the exhibition floor is huge uh and it keeps growing the other cool thing that I'd like to see at this is you will get the kind of bigger, more well-known uh, vendors. And Aaron, being an online vendor, you can go to Flourish and Inkblots on Etsy. Uh, you get ones that have huge displays mm-hmm. and take up three tables worth of things. And then you get other ones where they have a regular, I think, six-foot table split in half. Mm-hmm. For those vendors who are like, hey, I might either just be starting out or I do a lot of cons and this is what my budget allows. The fact that they could still be there, mm-hmm. that there is options. That's not know. like a minimum you have to have, you know, a full table or you have to exactly. have a giant display. Yeah. And not only that, but when you do get a full table at some cons, they limit what type of cloth, tablecloth mm-hmm. you can have. They limit what type of display you can have. Everybody had a little bit of everything today. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> like there were full-blown costume racks for some of them. Mm-hmm. Like it was amazing. Like there were options, like you said, like there it was just so great. Like, I really, like, it's really hard for me to, pro- I'm still processing. Mm-hmm. But it's just, 
the more that we talk about it, the more like levels and layers I'm realizing that I'm like, gosh, like I just really appreciated this or this. And yeah. everybody's just so nice behind the booth. And, you know, mm-hmm. some people you could tell, like, I guess for me, like the respect of noticing like somebody else that's more introverted, like you could tell like if somebody didn't want to make eye contact, but would still have a full blown conversation with me. Right. I didn't take it as rude by mm-hmm. any means. I continued to have the conversation. But there were just so many different artists showcasing so many different talents. Mm-hmm. And again, John can attest, I cried on more than one occasion because (laughs) there were so many beautiful, strong, intelligent women of color at this event. And I love seeing all the cosplay of women in color. Mm -hmm. So on top of that, I love seeing all the illustrations of women in color, people depicting Hermione as an adorable little biracial or, you know, African-American girl Mm -hmm. and um, there were so many like um, like LGBTQ uh, representation. You know, there were a lot of artists that were depicting Korra and Asami, which you know, Love it. long live Korra Asami. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, I just I really can't say enough wonderful things. Like, yeah, I was blown away by the inclusion, representation, and just overall appreciation for every layer layer and level of geek girl at this event. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll and there, write a novel on it. <laughs> and there were a few what they call uh, cross plays sometimes. Mm-hmm. So those were great as well. Oh, what was the um, one that what was the one that I loved? The Kiki and was it Kiki and Hermione? Yes. Was it? I feel like it was Kiki and somebody else. No, it was, it was Kiki. It was and Kiki Hermione. and Hermione. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I loved it. Kiki from Kiki's Delivery Service and Hermione were just chilling on her broomstick, and I was like, mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. And then I started crying again. True story. <laughs> um, I forgot to mention the other cosplay that I saw. So there was a awesome ghost rider mm-hmm. that i saw of course a stormtrooper and ray which made aaron break down Hello. uh there's a ruby a sapphire from steven universe yeah. um and of course i got to talk to erica literal uh who played sapphire there's x23 multiple sailor moons but the other thing that oh. about that is about this is there were different sailor moons shapes sizes colors genders there was Who a cares? really cool Filipino booth that we went to where yeah. she she drew them all as women of color and they all represented different fil- uh, female Filipino leadership. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. And that was something where when we first saw it, we were like, oh, cool, a Sailor Moon group or the Sailor Scouts. And yeah. they're all people of color. And then, and then she, she went, like, <laughs> went deeper. And we were yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> so the fact that this gives vendors and artists, which really, I mean, yeah, it gives the artist the ability to showcase their work platform. in the most welcoming environment. Nobody is going to walk around and be like, Ugh, people of color, Sailor Moon, that's not right, blah, blah. Somebody might, but... And if so, this is not the conflict. Not at all. Yeah. In fact, this is probably not the community for you <laughs> yeah, either. I was say. Yeah. Uh, but back to the artists. So I only grabbed a couple cards this year because it was crazy. And one of the people that I really wanted to try and talk to, he and I talked on Twitter, talked at the con, just could not find the time to actually sit down with oh, each other. Oh, you didn't other. get to sit down with him? No, and I really wanted to. He had his helper and everything. I know. <laughs> uh, Valentine or Valentine Barker. His stuff is great. Amazing. Uh, you would recognize it immediately. I will actually put his uh, link to his work in the show notes. But he has the Like a Girl mm-hmm. series. Hit Like a Girl, Fight Like a Girl, Run like, like a Girl, girl Skate like, like a Girl. Like, yeah. And they're awesome. They're kind of these like short, you know, compact, strong Female characters. They're curvy, and I love Mm -hmm. it because they look like normal people. Yeah. So super cool. That was one that I saw. Uh, And then Carmen Torres. Made me cry. That is true also. Uh, I saw her last year. All of her stuff is incredible. A very, like, if I were to put it in comic book terms for my comic book nerd listeners, 
she has like a Michael Turner type of feel. So the women are gorgeous and just up that level of realism. Mm-hmm. Like it just, so it is. There's a glow it, about them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a glow about them. But it was incredible. And she had she covers all geekdoms. She was doing commissions at her table. She started Inktober mm-hmm. on October 1st. So she was really cool. So shout out to Carmen Torres. Uh, I talked about her last year and this year. She's amazing. Yeah. And like I said, she made me cry. Yep. Uh, who you got over there? Um, I've got uh, Carmen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have Jenny Park. Uh, Jenny Park has uh, the shop A Sunny Disposition. Um, I got her card. You can find her on Etsy, Twitter, uh, Tumblr, and Instagram under A Sunny Disposition. Um, I'll have uh, John put the link to all sure. of her stuff underneath it. Um, amazing artist. Um, I also spoke with Chrissa Bug, mm-hmm. um, who does a billion different types of character illustrations that are just beautifully drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, she is on, I think this card literally covers every social media platform <laughs> ever, ever. Um, which is amazing. Uh, but on Insta, you can find her at Chris Abug Art or on Twitter, Facebook, everything else is under Chris Abug. Um, I also loved, uh, I don't know if it's Elle or Ellie um, Wyant. Um, she's only on Etsy, um, but um, uh, absolutely amazing stuff, like beautiful artwork, like there was just I I really am still processing everything because mm-hmm. I grabbed so many cards but didn't get a chance to loop back to all of the booths. But um there's the the other one that I got was um they were graphic illustrations uh from popular things in like oh, nerd yeah, culture yeah. called Out Nerd Me. Mm-hmm. Um and talked to the guy for a little bit. Really, really awesome guy. Um I got the David Tennant because Ten is the best doctor. Sorry if you disagree, but you're wrong. Mm-hmm. All right. um, yep. Allons-y. Uh and then I got um, <laughs> Allons-y, Alonzo. Uh I love that episode. <laughs> I, I knew you would. <laughs> um and then and then he sets Alonzo up with with Jack, yeah. and that was the best part. But um Sidebar. Uh, I also got my roommate. Uh, my roommate plays Overwatch and is obsessed with mm-hmm. Overwatch, and he loves the character Mercy. So I got him oh, a yeah. Mercy print. Um, so no, just really great graphic designs. Uh, I heard. Yeah, yeah she was actress. there uh, yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he got a picture of her. Actually, she signed one of his art prints and got a picture with awesome. it. Um, and so I just really great guy. Just gra- they were essentially their graphic illustrations of either the silhouette of the main character's mm-hmm. face, and the, he just filled it with their like famous quotes. Yep. So like my David Tennant one had all of stuff from when he was, you know, the tenth Doctor and everything mm-hmm. like that. So just I mean, there's just a lot of really great representation. And the Did biggest say thing at for some me, point, like around maybe the eye area. I'm sorry. I'm so. No. So, why would you bring okay. that into this? Why would you? <laughs> why are you so hateful? <laughs> Um, because apparently thing... seeing you cry like four times today is not enough. <laughs> don't make me so... I don't want to think about it. <laughs> oh, one of the best lines. Uh, but it was filled with all of the rest of them. He had uh, a Star Wars one. Where's the Millennium Falcon up top? I'm sorry. <laughs> you actually made me cry. <laughs> Huh. Yes, he did have the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. He also had, um, he had, uh, and I love the way he did. He did it on purpose, and I know he did. But he had a Han and a Leia right next to each other, yep. and then right underneath it, I love you. Um, I love you. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were facing each other on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he had a lot. He had Star Trek. He yeah. had um, Supernatural, mm. Friends. Um, 
what else did I see over there? He he just had he had a lot. He had two different Overwatches. He mm-hmm. had like he had ten, and then he also had a TARDIS full of uh, just overall oh, Doctor yeah, yeah, Who yeah. quotes. Um, but he no he he had Firefly. Um, right, I he covered quite a few fandoms. No, and it's just it's brilliant work, like mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant work. And that's one thing that I did want to touch on. Um, I saw some comments on the Facebook page and. As anybody will tell you, never read the comments. Yeah. And of course, my brain, I have to read the I, comments. I, I still read the it comments. Hurts. Yeah, no, but it hurts. <laughs> and everybody thinks that an event like this is man bashing. And it's not. Just like feminism is not man bashing. Mm-hmm. This is an event that caters specifically to women so that they know that this is a place where that their culture can be celebrated. Right. There were still plenty of booths that were run by men. Absolutely. This is not an opportunity to increase or, you know, push for discrimination between the sexes. This is literally just an event that caters more toward the female side of the geek community. Mm-hmm. So I saw a ton of presenters, a ton of a ton of men were on panels. Like mm-hmm. this is not an event that is strictly for females and men cannot be there right this is just an event that creates a safe space where we know as women and geeks that we will be accepted and appreciated and yeah. celebrated because absolutely the force is female <laughs> there you go you're reminding me that i forgot to give uh valentine barker's uh and or valentine and or valentine his uh you can find him on twitter yes at chalky heart uh and then carmen torres uh she is Artofcarmen.com. Yeah, artofcarmen.com, at gmail.com. So reach out to those two. And then do you have one more? I have like five, but oh, I, don't. I said like you can put them on the thing. <laughs> I would just do a collage. I said them out loud. Yeah. yeah cool. Uh, I'm just going to make a collage of business cards <laughs> that I just start collecting. <laughs> uh, so after the artists, you know, we just kind of walked around. So some general con thoughts that we already kind of talked about that we touched on. Representation matters. Mm-hmm. The emotional impact that this con has, and it is not just Aaron. I was just gonna say, uh, aside from me. No, when I was talking to uh, Christine, like same thing. Like even though she has been a part of this for six years, every year somebody says something. Somebody talks to her about an experience they had and how amazing it was. It makes a difference, and it truly does. We talked about how Geek Girl Con. If for whatever reason there's a situation like Aaron mentioned at Emerald City where someone was having uh, an issue, a, a mental or physical issue, and no one really knew how to respond, unlike the larger cons, if something like that happened to Geek Girl Con, you email them, info at geekgirlcon.com, incredibly responsive. By next year, something will have changed, whether it means that a certain number of the staff gets additional medical training or additional training in some other way. They're responsive. They make you feel like a, a person, responsive. not just an email. Yeah, because as as those bigger cons are, you get your badge, go to your panels, See do ya. whatever you want. Yeah. So the Wait engagement, yeah, the engagement that the panelists have almost after every panel that I saw and was around, after the panel's over, they're like, hey, I'm going to be in the back if you have any more questions. So get off the stage turn on their mic and then they would just be there and i wonder if that has to do with the fact that i will i will say like it wasn't nearly as big as far as crowd size goes for you know the bigger cons so i wonder if all of that does get lost i I, you know i obviously wasn't here when emerald city comic con got founded so i don't know what it was like in the beginning versus what it is now but there were so many people 
mm-hmm. that I don't even know if something like that would be possible, especially with some of the bigger name artists and actors that they get. Like, I don't right. think they would ever be able to be like, I'll be backstage if you have any other questions without getting trampled by yeah, no. crowds and herds of people. So I wonder if, you know, the special feeling that we get and the uniqueness comes from the fact that it isn't as, you know, mm-hmm flooded with people but at the same time this this event has the potential to really change lives especially for little girls and Mm -hmm. i want them to know that their voices can be heard and that they have a platform and places like this have the ability to teach girls at a young age that they matter especially in this culture and in this realm and so i wish that it got more recognition and that there was more you know development in the marketing area and that more people knew about it mm-hmm. i was like but at the same time i'm selfish and i'm like i don't want this to get flooded with people keep the yeah, magic it, it really it's the is balance that, like it, yeah. i don't know which is gonna be worse that's tough one of the things so the very front page or the very front of the uh, guidebook for this year there was a letter from the president of geek girl con and one of the things she says touches right on that it says geek girl con will continue to be a home for you all the children who want to grow up to be superheroes jedi chemists and engineers people of all races and hues who want to see greater and fair representation in pop culture as integral and as complex characters so it just and they live by that you know that is those are not empty words Everything that that they do caters to that philosophy and it shows and it matters and we see it. So uh, the rating system, I guess we will go over that. The rating system for this podcast. Doesn't matter. It's good. Um, good, good, good. <laughs> if this is your first time listening. Uh, Tell them about they're, it. They're first time listeners, which welcome. Uh, the oh, rating sure. system for this podcast, whether it comes to movies, books, TV shows, comics, video games, there are three choices. No stars, no thumbs up. It is just good, bad, or ugly. So with those three choices, a good, in this case, a good con would be something that you had a good experience with, that you would recommend to a friend, that you would recommend to families, you know, things like that. Strangers on the street. Absolutely. A bad con would maybe that it was just overall did not really give you those feels, did not really make you feel welcome or or a situation. Or you didn't get anything out of it. Yeah. And an ugly, hopefully nobody ever goes to an ugly con, but it would be something where you never want to go back again. You would tell your friends not to go. It would be terrible. So for Geek Girl Con 2017, Aaron, what is your rating? I would say um, out of those three choices, I'm going to go with superb, John. Mm, superb. Good, good, bad, ugly. Nope, sorry. Superb is not an option. Can we go with synonyms? <laughs> good, bad, or ugly. I'm going to go with good. Quite Thank good. You. <laughs> uh, and yeah, my rating is good. I mean, this is my second year covering the event. I look forward to it all the time, every year, especially in the past. And we try not to go into this too much. When I talk to Christine Hassel, there's been some drama over the past few months here in Seattle around Geek Girl Con and the community. And some people tried to kind of tear it down. The community came together and the right side won. And so seeing... We'll say the right side, but the side that we want to continue to be the representative side of Geek Girl Con. Because regardless of right or wrong, because mm-hmm. perspective is relative. True. I will say that based on the type of community that came together, that mm-hmm. is the kind of community that I would want representing and continuing the future of Geek Girl Con. Exactly. So. I'm not here to take sides. Yeah. <laughs> so they had to go through a lot to yeah. get where they were. And it was incredible. Again, so my rating is good. Love, love, love Geek Girl Con. Go check it out. Find them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. at Geek Girl Con, Facebook. They have a very active Facebook page and community. 
info at geekgirlcon.com. If you have questions for them, if you have a story you want to share, reach out. Like, or I, reach out to us too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that was for Geek Girl Con. And then real quick, we saw a movie last week uh, called Battle of the Sexes that I want to talk about on this episode because it ties in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this movie, Battle of the Sexes, uh, I mean, it has has some big names, you know. Um, I think I've heard maybe one or two of them. I don't know. Yeah, just just one or two. Billy uh, Yon? Is it Billy Yon King? <laughs> so the movie is about Billy Jean, the infamous 1973 tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. Ugh. <laughs> he was just such an awful person. <laughs> he was. So for those of you not familiar with that story, in 1973, Billie Jean King was the number one female tennis player ranked at that time. I would say in the world. I mean, she played the pro circuit. It's a little bit smaller than it is now, but she was the number one player, female player in the world. Bobby Riggs, former champion decades ago, gambling problems, all these things. He created this circus where basically he wanted he wanted to show these women in 1973 that he could beat any of them. Well, and like there was also, you know, Billie Jean realized that there was a platform because women weren't getting nearly the same amount of pay mm-hmm. and recognition in the quote unquote pro circuit, even though they were filling stadiums at the same rate the men were. They were selling yep. out, um, but they were getting one eighth of what the men were being paid, regardless of the fact that the reason given to them by the chairman or the president of the committee was that men are what people came to see, even though the women were selling out or selling equal, the if not thing. more, amount of tickets than they were. So she created her own league. Yeah. She's like, peace out, girl. So out. she founded that. What was crazy about this movie. So I encourage people first to read up on this. Yes, definitely. There was a 30 for 30 documentary. There have been documentaries about it. This is a fascinating piece of history mm-hmm. that more people should know about. It's still the most watched tennis match in history. Regardless of how far tennis has come, it is still really? the, the most watched tennis match in history. Yeah. And it was kind of a match. Spoiler alert. It was it was, it was, was a spectacle. I will say that. It served um, a purpose. It did. It, it did. Yeah. Um, and what is crazy is to think this was 1973 that this story happened. It was not until Venus and Serena... When they were teenagers, they were still fighting for this in the 90s. And in one tournament, they finally got paid the same as the male winner 20-some years later. Yep. So the movie is very important now. And again, talking about it during Geek Girl Con. Uh, about the movie itself, one of the things that I really enjoyed about it, the cinematography mm-hmm. was incredible. It really captured the essence of that time period. I mean... If I did not know any better, or if someone did not know any better, they could have used vintage cameras. Mm-hmm. The amount of grain that they had. I mean, yes, it was all digital effects now. Sure. But it looked but it incredible. Bl- it, and it blended seamlessly. It did, because a lot of times what happens when you watch these historical pieces is the real stuff is super crystal clear. And they will pan to a TV, which, of course, is older and it has a bunch of grain. This was so lessened mm-hmm. because they made the conscious choice to make the cinematography have that grain. They even had like a couple moments and I wrote it in my notes because it was frustrating, but I, I partly partially understand why they kept it in there. Mm-hmm. I can't stand shaky cam. 
Mm. Cannot stand it. It like it, and I think it's because of my depth perception. So like, the minute a camera stops moving, I, like I or starts moving, I have to look away because I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna start getting motion sickness. Mm-hmm. But there were moments where it was almost like old school movies when you watch them, where the camera isn't completely straight, or it's like slightly crooked, yeah. or kind of shakes as the cameraman readjusts. And so there were moments like that that included or gave that that feeling of oh, I'm not watching something that's been completely rebalanced mm-hmm. and fixed. Yeah, there. I mean, the steady cam shots and everything. So the way that they were able to balance that vintage look while also shooting on like the highest level of camera because there were a lot of close-ups in this mm-hmm. movie. A lot of close-ups. Like count, almost an uncomfortable yeah, amount of close-ups. You can count the pores yeah. on their faces in these close-ups. So the movie stars Emma Thompson, Emma Thompson, Emma Stone, <laughs> Steve Carell, uh, Andrea Riseborough, Natalie Morales, Sarah Silverman, Sorry. Bill Pullman, Alan Cumming, which... Uh, I love <laughs> him so much. Uh, I mean, it was just somebody came out of this film saying, "I now love Sarah Silverman." Yeah, like there were a did. lot of people that found, and I, I would agree, I found her incredibly endearing in this movie. Yeah, and I, I'm not a huge fan of hers, but I'm nothing she, against her. She but played this character very well, very well. Um, so the other thing that this movie did really well, the costuming. Oh, so good, hair, makeup, costume, perfect, nailed it. Uh, it it makes for an interesting challenge. I feel like they raided a bunch of Goodwills, and I'm not mad about it. Like, not <laughs> yep. in a bad way, but I legit felt like they raided a ton of, like, thrift stores and Goodwills to get mm-hmm. costumes. They didn't make this, like, make the costuming. It literally looked like they pulled it out of a bin Well, that somewhere. is the challenge with these is when you do a movie, especially in the 70s, when everybody knows that fashion sense, everybody knows what to expect. Mm-hmm. But to still make it feel authentic, to mm-hmm. still make it feel real... It's a task. Yeah. It's a, it's a big task to undertake. Yeah. Uh, Steve Carell absolutely crushed it as Bobby Riggs. You want to hate him, but when you really start to like, he has deep, deep problems and you get to see both sides. Yeah. Anybody I thought that who... was really interesting is that like the way that it was advertised is mm-hmm. it made it seem like this is the Billie Jean King story. Right. But you learned so much more about the background of mm-hmm. what really compelled Bobby to even announce a circus or an idea like this you learn about all the the issues that he has from growing up to being a parent to his sons Mm -hmm. or like a husband to his wife like you learn a lot more that i don't know if it makes you sympathize or empathize i'm still figuring out which one i i landed on for that but you you understand a little bit more yeah because it and it makes sense Mm -hmm. all it like none of it is shoehorned in with especially these biopics that can happen. Mm-hmm. You know, they push all those buttons to get you to feel this way. But these were all real. Like when you watch old clips of Bobby Riggs and it is it is so uncomfortable to watch now because you're like, wait, he actually said that. Yeah. The fact like, that, well, you know, that this movie is full of real quotes of yeah. things that were said during those matches is the worst part. Anybody yeah. that was sitting within like five feet of me probably heard me sigh or mm-hmm. groan repeatedly through this film because it's very frustrating as a woman and as a woman of color to hear these things and know that, one, that men still secretly think that way or that some men do. Mm-hmm. I was like, but also that saying these things out loud was just socially acceptable back On then. On national TV. <laughs> but part of that is a great thing that I now have the luxury of having the mentality that that is unacceptable right. these days versus then where it was like, well, women just smiled and shook it off and was like, that's just Bobby. Like, and to her credit, Billy never stood Yeah, forward. exactly. Like, she was hammering him the whole time, but it still is crazy to think. And again, go on YouTube, just search, you know, you'll hear the Bob- commentary. Bobby Riggs interviews. And it just, it is crazy. It is like Mad Men 
but real. Yeah, and worse. <laughs> um, like one of the things, one of my favorite interviews with Bobby Riggs that they did not mention at all in this movie. I know. I joked I about know. it. You wore it. <laughs> he did not mention high karate aftershave. First, high karate aftershave has some of the most amazing old school commercials that make no sense. They sponsored him, so he had to say it. Mm-hmm. Like the stories and the way that they layered them in this film were done super well. Uh, and I was just, I was impressed. Emma Stone, here's what is going to happen. She was nominated last year, won last year for La La Land. She is going to get nominated again. Well, because I love a good biopic. 100, yeah, 100%. I'm locking it in place. It I'm is October sure 1st. She like, It is going to happen. And what I would love to see is for Steve Carell. I w- yeah, that would that would make he has me long feel... lost out on some representation as Absolutely. far as that. But I don't know if that has more to do with script choices versus acting choices. There's so much politics that goes into Oscars, yeah. though. It's just I just um, we had I just stabbed myself in the <laughs> eye. <laughs> we had a short discussion in the car after we went and saw this film. And while I would not have personally chosen Emma to play this role, mm-hmm. I thought she did a very good job at Absolutely. it. I just and. This is, I don't mean this with any disrespect whatsoever, but mm-hmm. Emma is almost too pretty to yeah. pay to play a young Billie Jean King. And I don't mean that as in Billie Jean is unattractive by any means. It was just like, like almost too Hollywood. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like the edge to her was not what you see when you look mm-hmm. at younger pictures of BJK. So it's yeah. like, it's, it was just not my first choice, but acting wise, she did a mm-hmm. very good job with the script that she was given. Yeah. I would say the only casting misstep, and this is just a a personal thing, was Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen as the pill pushing serves no purpose in the whole. But that's the thing; like he's just there. He was a real person, and so. But I again, I think it was just that choice. Mm -hmm. I think when I see Fred Armisen, I think of Saturday Night Live. I'm just gonna start laughing. I think of Portlandia. Yeah. So that was just as soon as you. But he played that same character because he was like vitamins. Yeah. They're needed. His character made sense. I just think that for me, that cognitive dissonance. But there were so so many of those SNL comedy actors that made cameos in this movie, like from reporters that they just showed doing like random interviews on the TV. Mm -hmm. Like, like I kept hitting you. I was like, I know him. Like, I know Mm -hmm. that face. So, I mean, like, it was weird that they chose those very specific comedic actors to make cameos. But I would agree that the only one that really didn't feel natural was him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but the guy that played um, BJK's husband. Um, yeah, the nicest man in the world. Literally, <laughs> I want to be, I want to find him and be his best friend. Like, he just seemed like the most genuine soul out there that mm-hmm. all he wanted. Like, to me, he understood the actual definition of what it means to love someone. Yeah. Because what he wanted more than anything else, despite his own unhappiness, was for her to be happy and to feel accepted and appreciated Mm -hmm. all he wanted was for her to be successful in life and love and everything in between and i was just like yeah uh played by austin stowell um great job Austin. their story and again billie jean king and her husband's story is incredible i've talked about it before i have an issue with movies tv shows whatever that deal with infidelity and cheating Mm -hmm. spouses and all that the motivations and kind of how everything takes this narrative differently. And when you look into the real history, 
it, it just it kind of it changes it it does 100 so. percent. like you don't look at it the same way and you also have to remember like we're looking at it with the filter of what it would be like in 2017 to come out versus what it would have been like in mm-hmm. the 1970s yep. where she still had what 20 like 15 20 years after that until she actually publicly came out yeah it's just it, it was a different time period and you know we have come so far we still have so far to go but we mm-hmm. have come so far and movies like this really shed a light on that absolutely uh, so yeah, that about wraps it up for Battle of the Sexes. The best way that I quoted it to the person after the movie was, mm-hmm. you can look up online what happened when 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 this event occurred. Like you can see, you can read, you can do all the research that you want. Mm-hmm. But what I loved about this movie is that it made you feel what it was like to have been there. Yep. And I think that is something that is not easily done by film. So I, while I don't think this will win any Oscars as a film, I think that overall I was very happy with what I felt leaving the theater. Yeah. I felt the same thing. It just felt authentic. And when anytime you do a biopic, that needs to be there. Mm -hmm. My knock on it, especially being a biopic, and this comes down to just how I like to see biopics, if you're not going to intercut pictures and like archival pictures video during the film, that is okay because you want to stay true to the actors. You don't want to pull anything out. Right. Put it in the credits. They gave us seven pictures and it was like less than like less than a minute worth of pictures oh yeah and they were all stuff that happened kind of later like it was around the match but that was it like i was like they only showed us pictures that happened during the time period of the movie yeah like Like nothing about what she did afterward mm -mm. which they mentioned in like little paragraphs like this is what happened you know after this match like what bjk did what her how their relationship ended but they're still friends like the fact that she is the godmother to her ex-husband's mm-hmm. children, I'm like, he's just so that is nice. Love. Like, like, that's love. Yeah. And, like, but they mentioned all of that and then only showed, like, maybe seven pictures yeah. in less than a minute of some stuff that happened during and then that time. Yeah, and that was it. I want people to be reminded, this happened. This was a real thing. So, yeah. Uh, to the rating system of good, bad, or ugly for Battle of the Sexes, Aaron, take it away. I'm going to go with good. Like I would recommend people go see this. It was entertaining. I don't think it's probably for everybody, especially if you don't like uh, biopics. I was mm-hmm. like, but I think it was a good, even just good standalone film. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I give it a good. Also, I'm a huge fan of biopics. I know I knew the real story, but like Aaron said, this made me feel for it in a different way because of its authenticity, because of just, it felt like we were there. So it gets a, it gets a good from me. Emma Stone is going to get nominated again. Uh, the costuming, when, but... no costuming might get a nod, mm-hmm. uh, and nice. I would love Steve Carell to get a nod. I don't think he will though I, for I this. I don't think he yeah. will, but it would be great to see those fake teeth that he put in for yeah. it should get a nod. Gosh, those, I looked at those things the whole time. Every time he spoke, I would just and it was not right even the fake teeth, teeth, but like the way he moved his mouth, mm-hmm. like those well, little and if ticks, you, like... But if you listen to interviews, he de- he one hundred percent did his research. Exactly, he changed his tone, like everything. Mm-hmm. He's teach. You could tell he changed where he spoke in his mouth. Like, mm-hmm. I know that sounds like a weird thing, but having gone yeah. to school for theater, like, he changed where he put inflections within his mouth as he spoke. Like, he did his research. Yeah. Crushed it. Bravo, Steve. Bravo. There you go. Uh, cool. So on this episode, we talked about the amazing Geek Girl Con 2017. Boop, boop. Uh, once again, I spoke to Erica Latrell, Karen McLean, Dr. Rachel Burks, Christine Haswell, Hassel, that was what I messed up last year. Man. Uh, thank you to everybody. Make it a everybody. theme. Like every year, just make it a theme. <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> uh, thank you to all of the interviewees. It was great. 
hanging out with them again sometime or yeah this time for the second time so uh and then battle of the sexes we both gave a good Aaron, where can people find you and your art uh you can find me on etsy flourish and ink blots mm-hmm. yes that is a play off of harry potter's bookshop mm-hmm. um <laughs> however uh you can also follow my blog which has a little bit about my life my recent travels where i hit all five uh major countries in the British Isles mm-hmm. um, at www.aaronhundley.com. As I've said in previous episodes, my name is spelled quite strangely, so mm-hmm. John will link it in the comments. I will. Excellent. And for this podcast, like you heard at the top of the show, you can find it on all forms of social media at about to review Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Blueberry Stitcher, Podbay, also on YouTube for the about to interview segments i think i might actually make a separate episode out of these ones that are just the interviews and i might throw that up there so uh yeah you can support the show by going to abouttreview.com clicking the support tab pitching a dollar that would be fantastic on next week's episode not even a starbucks latte like not even no let's do it uh on next week's episode i will be with damien randall and jess o'brien from the curly nerd podcast jealous in new york city uh, going to New York Comic Con and covering that for the weekend. I cannot wait. It is going to be a blast. So in the meantime, head over to the Curly Nerd podcast. Uh, check them out. Get used to them because next week they will be on here. We will be doing some collaborations. I'm going to be on their show. They're going to be on mine. They're great friends. Cannot wait to go see them in New York City. Peanut butter and jealous. <laughs> so with that... Uh, that about wraps it up for this episode, episode number 75. Aww. Uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, next week, I believe there will be a new theme song, so look forward to that. It is pretty exciting. Or listen forward to that. So for this episode, I have been your host, that guy named John. I'm Aaron Hundley. And we will see you next time. Or hear you. This has been an About to Review production. Thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio editing services. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find them at their website, vexingmedia.com, or on Facebook and Twitter, at Vexing Media.